And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios where we broadcast each and every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Also, YouTube, as well as Blog Talk Radio BTR. I want to thank Global Star and BTR, fine folks there, for carrying our program. Don't forget, folks, we've got two different websites, Hagman and Hagman.com. There you can tune into the show live or by archive. HagmanReport.com. There you need to, you need to go there for all of the current news, information, analysis, stuff that you need to know. That's right. HagmanReport.com. Bookmark that and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. Yes, yes, please. And our social networking feed. This raises our visibility. It provides us a level of insulation. And, uh, well, you know what? It, uh, it just helps us grow. I want to thank everyone for your prayers and your belief and trust in us. A lot of news to get into. Uh, we, by the way, we've got a great program, uh, for you. Uh, Pastor James David Manning, top of next hour. And then Stan Deo, of course, at the top of the third hour. So, some pretty good stuff. Um, pretty good, uh, some great stuff coming. Come on. If, if you haven't heard Pastor Manning before, my goodness, you're in for a treat. Uh, he's, he can only stay with us a short period, but nonetheless, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great time. Absolutely will be. You know, um, I, in fact, speaking of, News and HagmanReport.com. I would like to direct uh, your attention to um, John Whitehead actually published an article on HagmanReport.com. Uh, the title of which is uh, We All Lose Obama's Legacy and What It Means for a Trump Presidency. Very interesting article. Now I've got both of John's uh, books He's written two books, and I've got both of them. And he's a smart, he's a smart guy. I'll tell you that. He understands about what it is to turn America into a police police state. He is the founder and president, by the way, of the Rutherford Institute. He's a constitutional attorney. Uh, his two books include "Battlefield America: The War on American, The War on the American People." Uh, interesting book as you read it and understand what's taking place in the face of or despite the United States Constitution. So again, John Whitehead, um, his article there and, uh, John Rappaport as well. Um, some good stuff. Good stuff. The liberal mind crashes and burns. That, that's by John Rappaport. Well, we might touch on those a little bit later, but both are resident at HagmanReport.com. You know, a, a couple of things here that we need to, we need to talk about. Let's talk, right? Let's talk. It, it's interesting now, some of the, uh, some of the sites are picking up what, what 
folks we all spoke about some time ago, and that's the DHS takeover of our uh, critical infrastructure. DHS says, I'm sorry, DHS says election systems, critical infrastructure, making federal takeover possible. It's interesting because the New American just published this, and some other websites are publishing this. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about how the DHS has declared the nation, uh, uh, national uh, uh, electoral systems critical infrastructure, potentially giving the federal government control over the electoral process, traditionally and constitutionally a function of state and local governments. And, you know, I, it's so interesting because when you log into various uh, political forums, there's this disconnect. Well, they're not really taking over anything. They're just monitoring everything. Okay, it's it's an executive action as opposed to anything else. And uh, there seems to be a lot of excuses running uh, running interference for this particular situation. Something we're going to get into, as well as the activists. Uh, Hoping to turn Trump's inauguration into one of the biggest biggest rides in in history, and everyone's focused on the inauguration on the twentieth, as perhaps we should be, right? Focusing on the on the on the inauguration. I, I do believe that there's going to be some dust ups there, but uh, you're looking at, at the equivalent. I, I believe it, the equivalent of a battalion, uh, U.S. military battalion, army battalion of uh, law enforcement present I don't I, I look I don't see short of some sort of detonation of a weapon of mass destruction I don't see where there's going to be much of a disruption it, it's going to be inconvenient absolutely will there be certain aspects of it that'll be troublesome yeah I think so but to me looking at just the 20th of looking at Inauguration Day and focusing on that and focusing on what could happen by these groups and I'm going to name these groups to me is is a little bit short-sighted because I think that the bigger news is the longer game you see everyone's everyone is looking to everyone's too short-sighted I believe we have to be looking at the longer game that's that's the the globalists have laid out for us. And by the longer game, I'm saying we have to look at the next four years. In this case, if you're talking in political terms, you're talking either two years or four years. Uh, we'll say four years just to just to make it somewhat palatable. So they're looking at retaking the country in 2020. But in the meantime, I do suspect that the uh, globalists have many things planned, especially for the initial part of the Trump uh, presidency. Now, I have often said that between now and the inauguration is the most dangerous time in American history. I still stand by that. I, I Look, I think that they could, the globalists could pull some tricks out of their hat. And whether we see it, and, and this is important, something might happen. A decision might be made. Uh, something might happen between now and Inauguration Day that may not be readily apparent until afterwards. All right? There may be a delayed reaction, some sort of monetary policy pushing into place, or, or something to that effect. All right. Uh, I understand that. 
so when I say this is the most dangerous time in American history, I do still mean that. I'm not, I'm not soft selling that at all. What I'm saying, however, is let's not be myopic in our observations of what's taking place in American history. I, I do think that the globalists, the progressives have a mental illness as far as I'm concerned. And what they are attempting to do is attempting to, uh, at least in my view, attempting to uh, take over the country in, in in every sense of the word, but not take over Washington D.C., not causing a just merely not just merely taking over D.C. or merely causing a disruption. No, they want the planet, they want the country. So we have to think bigger. Portions Nice Broadcast brought to you by Policy Genius. Have you heard of this company? What a great company. Life insurance. Let me ask you, do you have it? If you don't, how come? Why not? Is it too expensive or is it a hassle? Well, we have got an answer for you. Go to policygenius.com today to save over 70% off other prices for life insurance. When life insurers compete for your business, you save money. That's policygenius.com. And I'm going to spell that for you. It's P-O-L-I-C-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S, policygenius.com. There you get get zero jargon, zero sales pressure, zero hassle. It's policygenius.com, policygenius.com. More on that later. But, you know, looking at the long game here, and I I do believe that we have to look at what the globalists have intended for us, or at least their objectives before the Clinton loss, where she reportedly lost, I believe it was, what, $1.2 billion or, or sunk into her campaign and ended up just, I mean, what an incredible amount of money. Now, you got to think about this. And people in my generation, I suppose, you have to wonder, well, all generations, I, I, you have to wonder who would spend so much money just for what would amount to a, a, a government, four-year temporary government job. Oh, I get it. I understand the control behind it, the 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 lifelong benefits. I do understand all of that. But to me, you either have to be totally crazy or absolutely committed to change for what you think is the better, the country. So you're either totally crazy or wanting to change the country. I mean, deeply ideological, shall I say. Either way, it's it's astounding to me. And even some of the the, uh, lesser races for, for the Senate, for the House, the amount of money spent. And even on a local level, uh, how many people in your town that do you know who have spent a lot of money to get a job that, that pays, you know, the mid five figure range? It's crazy. There's a lot of graft, and, and I don't believe our founding fathers ever believed that government jobs, whether it be the the, uh, the the highest office in the land or or serving in the Senate or the House, 
they, they did not believe, I don't think, that, that these were supposed to be lifelong, indefinite, you know, positions, certainly not the presidency with the term limits, but with regard to the House and Senate and, and the other government positions. They're not careers, they're jobs. Huge difference, by the way. But let's look at the long game here, because I, I think I think these these two these two situations that we're talking about that that I, that I mentioned side by side. Uh, in, in this segment, we're going to talk about these two two uh, these two issues, and then then we're going to be talking about Trump's or Obama's legacy and what it means for the Trump presidency, as embraced by John Whitehead. And again, go to HagmanReport.com, and then of course. The Liberal Mind, The Crashes and Burns by John Rappaport, which very interesting take as well on, on everything. And, but, but here's the thing. You can, you can, you could have got up this morning, let's say seven o'clock your time or six thirty, had, had a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, whatever you might do. Go out by the fireplace or go out on your back deck, depending on where you live, and hit the headlines. What are the headlines? The headlines are the same, pretty much. There's some, there's some eye candy. There's some normal stuff that you would expect. But what's the deeper stories? What's really taking place? What's hiding behind the headlines? Well, in, in the one instance, like I said, we've been covering this where DHS says the election system it's critical infrastructure, making federal takeover possible. Now, once more, you have to understand the terminology of that headline. And I just selected one. At, at There are several, but this one from the New American, for example. Then we have discussed this. But the DHS declared that, the national, uh, that our national election system is what is known as critical infrastructure. And that potentially gives the federal government control over the electoral process traditionally and constitutionally, as we mentioned before, a function of the state and local governments. Well, all right, what does DHS say about this? What does Jay Johnson say about this? There's a press release, of course, given the total role or the vital role that elections play in this country. It's clear that certain systems and assets of election infrastructure meet the definition of critical infrastructure. Of course it does. But not in the sense that they are attempting to apply here. It's critical, but it's a function of... It's not a function of the federal government. It never was intended to be. And such an, such a, a takeover, or in their case, we'll say an oversight, overseeing the process and ensuring the sanctity and integrity of the process is really in, in, in essence a takeover. Why aren't, why aren't more people up in arms over this? Now, see, here's, and, and this is why when you sit back and you look at whether, whether you're the first place you go is Drudge or it doesn't matter. Wherever you go on the internet for your news or perhaps you're old school. Maybe you reach down in your bathrobe and pick, pick paper off the porch. By the way, if you're my neighbor, cinch that robe. All right. I'm getting tired of seeing your white, you know, 
Never mind. <sighs> Wherever you get your news, I, you've got to you've got to take a look and uh, you've got to connect the dots because the major media, the mainstream media, ain't going to do it for you. They're not going to do it for you. And very few other, uh, very few other media outlets, even in the independent media, are going to be looking at the larger picture. So this is why we have to look at the larger picture. Because see, this DHS election systems critical infrastructure, Jay Johnson, old news. Combine that with the fake news, and combine the fake news with the Russian hacking. And the release, the wiki leaks, of course. And notice the evolution that has taken place. This is what's important. It's the evolution of the entire news narrative. It's not one single story. It's all of them. And when you start connecting the dots, you can see where this is headed. And we we've had some good programs lately. Patrick Wood talking about this. If you haven't heard Patrick Wood, if you didn't hear about technocracy, go back and listen to Patrick Wood because this kind of there is an element of this uh, of this built into what I'm talking about now. Patrick Wood did embrace an element of this. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up his uh, I'm gonna put that isolate his appearance and put that up separately. But all of that said, you're looking at the long game being played out. Now, this is, no one should be running around with their, at least in my view, no one should be running around with their hair seemingly on fire saying, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. You know, X, Y, or Z is imminent. We seriously, we would not be able to really tell if it was. It could be. I'm not discounting any anything imminent, but I would say that uh, chances are we would either absolutely 100% know it and see it coming, or 100% absolutely not see it coming. Anything in between doesn't really make that much sense to me when you think about this logically because there would be enough noise being made and enough people on one side or the other that would give rise to uh, at least the the information being broken out in the open. But I'm not saying that conspiracies don't exist because I certainly am saying they do. So I I don't want to confuse the issue. What, What I'm just saying is I don't believe right now, for example, that in the next 10 days, between now and the day of inauguration, I don't necessarily believe that war is going to break out, that nuclear bombs are going to drop, and you know Russia is going to attack. I don't believe that. However, that doesn't mean they're not going to do it in the long term, or something is is not going to happen in the long term. Or something is not going to take place in this period of time, or hasn't taken place since the date of election to the current period of time, or to, to inauguration day, that would begin a series of events, much like the United Nations non-veto, 
that to me started a, a series of events that changed the course of history and Trump will be inheriting that something that can't be walked back so what I'm saying is something during this period and, and very it's to, to me this is not this is unfortunate that very few people are talking about the fact that there could be something overt or covert not overt but something covert something just under that do you ever look out over a lake and you, you know you know how wonderful oh on a nice day it's really nice and calm and there're no waves and it's just the water just simmers and it looks so peaceful and think of a duck of course you see a duck just floating along along the water but underneath that duck is just paddling like a, you know like crazy you see the duck. We see the duck. We're not seeing the paddling that's going on. Is that a good metaphor, analogy, whatever? I don't know. So here's what I'm, what my view is this. It would be a tremendous mistake for us to breathe a sigh of relief, or I believe if anyone breathed a, a big sigh of relief on election day or the day after, or the date that the Electoral College voted successfully or the day just here last week that the that Congress certified the Electoral vote if you breathe a sigh of relief and saying oh okay it's, it's all good now then you're missing the point it just as if you would be missing the point if on January 20th everything goes off. Yeah, a few dust-ups here, a few dust-ups there. Some arrests, some people, you know, some idiots. But all in all, you know, it was a good day. So you breathe a sigh of relief. You go back to work and you just you just forget about everything. You, you think in your mind, especially people my age, which I'm 39, um, all right, 41, but... No, no, you know, in all seriousness, when you, when you, people of my generation perhaps think back to Reagan. Remember that the commercial, it's date, it's morning in America again or whatever it was, something like that. Meanwhile, you had all hell breaking loose within that, within the administration. Different set of circumstances, certainly a different time period, but nonetheless, uh, comparable, perhaps, to, to the mental condition that exists today. So, you, you look at things like DHS, critical infrastructure, and, and Johnson, Jay Johnson, made this designation pursuant to the 2013 presidential dire- directive, which identified 16 critical sectors. For example, energy, financial services, healthcare, and I can go on and on and on. That the DHS is required to protect. Now, the AP said that the designation that it, that he announced places responsibilities on on the uh, Jay Johnson on the Homeland Security Secretary to identify and prioritize those sectors considering physical and cyber threats against them isn't that convenient that the cyber threat of course as we had previously discussed alleged to belong or to be stemming from Russia and you're looking at the uh, the more overt antagonisms toward Russia and Russia back at the United States and NATO so you're seeing both the overt and the covert here the obvious and the sub rosa so, this is disconcerting in the longer term, I believe. 
the foundation has been laid where we have been hacked. Oh, the election system has been hacked. Yes, they have. Oh, just ask any news person, real journalist, any real journalist, not not peddling fake news, any real journalist not peddling fake news would know that the that the Russians were involved in this hacking. Okay, hold the phone because you haven't provided the evidence. In fact, evidence suggests otherwise. But but see, the foundation's being laid for this particular long game objective. It's not just about what happened in the 2016 elections. It's about moving forward and about capturing the entire system. Just as it is not about January 20th, but about capturing the days that follow January 20th. You know, this this is nothing new with DHS. Johnson talked about making this designation of uh, the of the election system a critical infrastructure back earlier in the year. It was in the summer. There were there's few claims, no evidence of any tampering with voting systems or anything like that up to this point. And even at that time, back in August, that that many of the election officials at the state level said, "No, no." Um, the, the perhaps and they're going back to the New American article now writes uh, uh, Michael Tennant, the author of this article, that one of the most critical of this whole designation is Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp. Well, remember Kemp? He's the one that says, "Hey, what's the just doing hacking into our?" Uh, databases. Now you have to understand there's a difference between the databases and the actual elect- election process, alright, because you don't have voting machines in the typical sense Wi-Fi'd out to a network or, or hardwired to a network. Okay? It, it, it's different than that. There's it's, it's an entirely different process. So but you do have databases that are maintained by state election boards online, or that are accessible online. So, yes, those can be tampered with, and that's what this Georgia representative, or Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, was talking about. And that's where some danger does exist, by the way. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, we're going to be back right after this. Stay right where you're at. You know, obviously, pageantry is a word that uh, I kind of like, especially in the context of Obama and the progressives. You know, <laughs> Obama left a parting message today in Chicago. It's all pageantry. It's all window dressing. In the news media that's fawning over Obama, his gravitas, right, Um no, it's look it that there's no news in that none whatsoever. The, the news is what's not being mentioned. That's just uh, 
I'm not going to say that's fake news. That's just not news. That's non-news. Might as well watch the Golden Globes instead of that. But nonetheless, there's nothing that could be gained from even talking, in my view, even mentioning or talking about that in any depth whatsoever. Now, well, before we get started, let me ask you a question. Life insurance, do you have it? If you don't, how come? Why not? Is it too expensive or a hassle? What about health insurance? Oh, I know. My goodness, health insurance, it's it's always, isn't it complicated sometimes? Insurance is complicated. And life insurance is a good idea to protect your yourself and the ones around you. But let me ask you, where do you go? to get the best prices on the best policy with the best service, whether you're talking about life insurance or regardless of the type of insurance, where do you go? I've got the I've got I've got I've got the answer for you. Policy Genius. They're a new sponsor of ours and I love this company. I really do. As a matter of fact, they even have pet insurance. I mean, you can, it, it's an amazing company. Policy Genius is a multi-product digital insurance platform. It helps people get the coverage they need, the exact coverage that they need, and feel good about it by providing them with a user-friendly experience. And I've got to tell you, I used it. It's like the TurboTax for insurance. It does all the hard work involved with insurance decisions and purchasing insurance, from vetting dozens of providers to delivering unbiased advice. Policy Genius provides the most comprehensive and accurate insurance quotes available anywhere online. And Policy Genius provides the easiest path to insurance through tailored advice and no pressure purchasing for customers seeking life, health, renters, long-term disability, and as I said, even pet insurance. Policy Genius sells insurance across all 50 states, so you needn't worry. Policy Genius makes it very easy for customers to comparison shop for life, health, pet, renters, long-term disability on their own terms and provides apples-to-apples quotes on easy-to-use platform so customers know exactly what they're buying and you don't have to waste time going from one agent to another agent looking for the best deal. I've never seen anything quite like this. I've used it. It is super easy. It is super intuitive. It's much different than other insurance sites. You know, what distinguishes Policy Genius from other insurance brokers is that they're bringing the entire decision-making process and shopping process online, making it easier for the customer to find the right policy for their needs. They go well beyond what today's aggregators and online agents offer by providing the best customer service possible with engaging educational material. And, it, and I've seen the educational material. I've gone through it. It's just amazing. Now, this is not a lead generator. They're never going to sell you your data to a third party or make you give your contact information before you can see a quote. They work with their customers the way that they'd want to be treated, the way I want to be treated to make sure that you get the best for your needs. And it works. It's really simple how it works. Policy Genius helps customers through the insurance application process from picking the right policy to making it through the underwriting process with the insurer. And they feel that the customer, they're with the customer every step of the way. And best of all, their service is free. Go to policygenius.com. That's policygenius.com. Let me spell it for you. P-O-L-I-C-Y. Genius. G-E-N-I-U-S. Policygenius.com. Go to policygenius.com today to save over 70% off of 
off other prices for life insurance. When life insurers complete, uh, compete for your business, you save money. There's no jargon. There's there's no sales pressure. There's no hassle. It's life insurance made easy. Free quotes, zero hassle. Peace of mind. Don't wait. Go to policygenius.com today. And I want to welcome them aboard as our new sponsors. Again, our thanks to policygenius.com. And welcome aboard the Hagman Report. But as I was saying before, you know, we we have to look at the long game, the bigger picture. And you, and you get tired of hearing me say this, but if we don't do that, we risk tiring ourselves out. We risk um, becoming fatigued. You get you get headline fatigue. You get fatigued from uh, just being in that state of anticipation all of the time. You can't be that. You've got to you've got to strike a balance. You can't be in both. States, you can't be in a hyper state, a hyper vigilant state all of the time, but and you can't certainly cannot drop your guard. You have to evaluate and assess and analyze. It doesn't mean that things aren't bad. It doesn't mean that there's actual stuff, bad stuff going on, or there's imminent threats. That's not what it means. It means that you need the balance to strike the balance. When you look at the bigger picture, you can see DHS taking over the critical infrastructure or, or claiming the election systems as critical infrastructure to <coughs> the uh, Russian uh, the allegations of Russian hacks to the fake news and, and you, you can see it in the in the WikiLeaks the 10 million documents the later documents by WikiLeaks of course many people have focused merely on Pizzagate that's part of it but there's a larger segment there and there's a larger segment beyond the 600 or beyond the, the 33,000 emails that were not turned over by Hillary Clinton about Benghazi and the 650,000 found uh, relative to uh, Huma Abedin and Anthony Weiner there, there's a larger picture emerging when you start taking those and, and disassembling those. So with that as the backdrop, and then you see organizations saying, all right, and, and you can go online and, and you can go to, uh, uh, you can go to different uh, websites and you can see what, what they're planning for January 20th. Uh, but when you look at this, I want you to look at who these, who these agencies are. Who's backing them? And don't just stop thinking about January 20th, or don't stop with January 20th. You've got to understand their roles in the role in the days ahead. Okay. So you've got, for, for example, one activist group that's planning on disrupting the inauguration took out a full page, full page out of the New York Times. Let me tell you something. Globalists who are intending the long, or are engaged in the long game are not going to be taking out full page ads in the New York Times. That sufficient for small disruptions or disruptions on specific days and events, but the long game strategy, you're not going to see a full page ad. But thousands of activists, journalists, scientists, entertainers, and other quote prominent voices took out a full page ad to call to a full page call to action in the New York Times on uh, this past week last week, making clear their rejection of Donald Trump and Vice President-elect Mike Pence in their simple message saying no. All right. But you got to go dig a little bit deeper. 
For example, you got to look at refusefascism.org. Um, that's one of the organizations behind these potential chaotic uh, events. Uh, And going back a little bit to stop the Trump-Pence regime before it starts, that's kind of a a catchphrase. It's not going to, I don't believe it's going to happen. Can it happen? Is it possible? Well, it's always possible, but is that their strategy? I don't believe that's their strategy. Because there would be this uprising, and there still could be an uprising if they try to push this. Now, again, I'm not walking anything back. I am just taking this and giving you a full analysis of the of the long-term strategy. When you look at the signatories, for example, you've got, uh, well, you've got just a number of, you, Bill Ayers, the same old people and some new people, people you never heard of, people you don't care about, Lamont Hill, for Mark Lamont Hill, for example, from CNN, and, you know, you get the same old people. In the same old uh, uh, organizations that include the Communist Party USA, but when you again when you dig deeper and look at, for example, the uh, RefuseFascism.org, and you look at other organizations that are attempting to disrupt, when you dig and uh, disrupt J20, for example, carry for, um, or I'm, I'm sorry, disrupt J20. That's disrupt the letter J, the number two and the number zero. That's another group <coughs> that uh, state they're planning to shut down the inauguration. Well, none of these groups, or at least J20, DJ, uh, disrupt J20, at least they're not advocating violence or promoting violence. None of these groups are discouraging violence either. All right. Now, the when you look at the plans of these various groups and you follow the links and you, and you see who's associated with who, all of these uh, these are revolutionary communist organizations, Revcom, for example. Uh, the um, Michael Moore, for example. Uh, gosh, I even hate to reference him. But, but, but you know, he, he points out, and, and this is one thing that I think that we need to pay attention to, that these protests are not going to end on January 20th. In fact, abortion advocates, of course, that has to come into play here, are hoping to get close to a million women into Washington, D.C. on the day following the inauguration to protest for abortion rights. Really? And filmmaker Michael Moore is hoping that this march will be the beginning of, and I quote, 100 days of resistance against Trump's presidency. All right, there we have it. You've got some of the players, some of the groups, and you've got everyone focused on January 20th, the inauguration. But when you start digging and you start looking at the long-term objectives, it is infiltration into our government, into the various government agencies, either by pretext appointment um, or by being hired, for example, but infiltrating our government, very sensitive government agencies, or very sensitive positions within government agencies, I should say, where control can be taken. And this is, again, nothing new. Saul Alinsky, 
the infiltration that he had written about, referenced in his book, how, uh, Rules for Radicals and How to Really Infiltrate and How to Take Over Groups, How to Be a, a True Subversive. Because the true subversive here, being truly a subversive, is not just a one-day event. It is a lifetime effort. And that's what these people have planned for us. And the stage has been set. Going back to what I opened with, too, about Jay Johnson, about DHS, the stage has been indeed set for this to be a long-term effort. And And you just have to understand that that's <laughs> we have to fight this every single day I do want to mention what John Whitehead had written to we all lose Obama's legacy when it means for a Trump presidency because this ties in as well uh, writes John Whitehead this light of history is pitiless it has a strange and divine quality that, luminous as it is, and precisely because it is luminous, often casts a shadow just where we saw a radiance. Out of the same man, it makes two different phantoms. And the one attacks and, the, and punishes the other. The darkness of the despot struggles with the splendor of the captain, hence a truer measure in the final judgment of the nations. Babylon violated diminishes Alexander. Rome enslaved diminishes Caesar. Massacred Jerusalem diminishes Titus. Tyranny follows the tyrant. Woe to the man who leaves behind a shadow that bears his form. Does that sound familiar? John Whitehead quoting from Les Miserables, Victor Hugo. Really. So let's talk about Obama's legacy, shall we, according to John Whitehead. Um, and this was a candidate, again, who ushered into office, promising, who was ushered into office, promising hope and change. This is what John Whitehead wrote pledging to put an end to endless wars. Remember him running on that hope and change platform? And, and of course, of course you do. And then he gets in there and does a complete 180. Well, after, after his two terms in office, he leaves our country with a weakened constitution. Absolutely. It's been dealt one blow after another by court rulings, by activist judges. Various government overreaches. This is what we're seeing. More militarized police empowered to shoot first and ask questions later. This is under Obama. Yet Obama is being held out as the peacemaker. More SWAT team raids. More government corruption. With more debt than ever. You've got nearly $20 trillion in debt. You've heard every guest we've had on talking about this. Talking about the debt that's not sustainable. It can be propped up and band-aid and duct tape. Of course it can. And that's what's happening now. But any person of any sound mind, my goodness, you would know that this is not, this cannot stand. And, and that, that's, you know, I got, I, there, there is somebody that has accused us of being oh, fake news, fake news, fake news, you know. And we've got to stop you Doug Hagman, you fake news because you're hurting people. You're hurting innocent people. How in the hell are we doing that? 
Seriously. That's what I've been accused of. How am I doing that? What, by calling out authors, or calling out the um, and quoting authors who are correct and saying we've got $20 trillion in debt, in, in, in national debt? John Whitehead is right on the money. You know, exactly on the money. We, we have a bigger surveillance state than ever. We've got more government corruption. We've got less tolerance for free speech and free thought. My goodness. And taxpayers just being crushed under this weight of taxes disguised as fines and fees and this and that. You know what I'm talking about. And you've got this Obama acting as a king. You talk about uh, the false accusations against Trump as, as a king. He's not. He he hasn't even taken office yet. Okay. Obama has had eight years, and you talk about king-like activity. There it is. But we all know that Obama is a puppet, essentially. And we all know that anyone in power that's still sucking air is most likely compromised in some way, shape, or form. There's really no difference between the Republicans and Democrats when it comes right down to it. it they're all under the thumb of, of a power structure that's, that's a shadow structure. But John Whitehead makes some really great points in his article at HagmanReport.com. But, but you know, all of this that I mentioned with respect to the, the surveillance and other things, look, you're not going to hear any of this from Obama. Again, he gave his goodbye speech today in Chicago. Oh, parting is great, such great sorrow. But, and, and he even believes in, in his mind, and, and maybe he's right that he would be reelected for a third term should he be allowed to do so because I think there are enough people out there who are so brainwashed they would put him in for a third term and that includes and especially especially includes the conservatives and Christians who say never Trump oh no 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 that would send us to our graves quicker or send us to our deaths quicker through a Hillary Clinton presidency than a, than a, a Trump presidency because they're so sanctimonious in their thinking <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense to me and you know, you've got all of these celebrities singing Obama's praises. They're staging, uh, said, uh, 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 the, they're, 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 they're comparing Trump to Hitler, obviously. And some folks are staging sit-ins and marches and acts of civil disobedience to protest Trump, Trump's election. But you know the the very same people who are doing this are silenced. They're silent in the have been silent in the face of Obama's governmental overreach. So, which is it? Do you have allegiance to the man? In this case, Obama. I suspect you do, as opposed to the Constitution. Uh, 
But John Whitehead, again, wrote an excellent piece, and he even brought uh, the Golden Globe. Uh, he even mentions the Golden Globe there. Go to HagmanReport.com, uh, Meryl Streep, uh, given her, <laughs> she gave her political speech. First of all, who gives a damn what she thinks? And second of all, uh, well, John Whitehead said, Meryl Streep, she's right in one sense. We all lose when the powerful inflict violence, humiliation, and disrespect on others. And that's true. However, where Streep goes wrong, writes Whitehead, is failing to recognize that we, the people, have been on the losing end of this relationship long before Trump's name was ever brought about, ever mentioned. And this is why we have to look back. You know, we had yesterday, and I, I wonder how you folks liked uh, uh, Abraham Bolden yesterday. In, in fact, if you haven't done so already, go to our YouTube page, Abraham Bolden. His appearance is there with visuals on our YouTube page. Please pass that along to others. The further back we look, the further ahead we can see. So this is this is really all I am saying and all I have been saying. All of these events, for example, um, and, and I again I uh, I reference John Whitehead in Hagman Report at HagmanReport.com because when you look at the past eight years, you, you can't just limit it to the past eight years. You got to go back and look at at how long has this been going on? It's the same process, different names, same stuff, different day, and the agents of the various regimes, administrations. I'll call the Obama quote administration. I don't like that because I don't. I think that dignifies the legitimacy of it. Uh, the Obama regime. Um, you got to go past, way past, way before the Obama regime. But the agents thereof were watching the long game being played out. Read the 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 books by Bernays, as Patrick Wood had mentioned, and read Patrick Wood's columns. Go back and listen to what Patrick Wood said about technocracy and about Kissinger and about uh, Brzezinski and also about, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say his name, the new guy. How many remember him talking about the new guy? Okay. Very intelligent man. Go back and listen to what he says about him and the books he's been writing and such. That, this, this is in, this is illustrative of the long game. Let's not be captured. Let's not let's let's think bigger than we are. When when we were talking about Benghazi, and and we were talking about a number of other things years ago, I I would say think bigger. We've got to think bigger. We've got to you've got to look at the bigger scenario. That's what we're doing here. It's not going to be the one shooting necessarily. With you know, with the with the multi numerous casualties, no, no, no. You don't focus on on one shooting. In in fact, the majority of the public doesn't anymore. They just okay, another mass shooting, and move on. Or it's not going to be that one errant uh, or that one terrorist attack. We'll say it's going to be a combination of things, 
a confluence of events over time. It's incremental. It, just as the surveillance state has been strengthened incrementally over time, so will this deep state agenda of total, complete subjugation and takeover. That's what we're looking at. This is the long game. It's a game to them. It's not to us. It's our lives every day. We work every day. We go to work every day. We come home. We choose, we choose which channel to turn our attention to. If it's television or if it's the independent media, it's our choice. And as we near the top of the hour, I just want to say thank you for choosing this program. Thank you for your financial support of this program. By the way, we will be back up with video on, what did I say, Eric? Thursday, thank you. Thursday. For sure, Thursday. All right. That's, that's, we will be back up video Thursday, full bore. By the way, Joe will be back on camera on Thursday. He's been around. He's, he's been uh, in and out. Um, taking care of some family business. See, I haven't covered for him. Uh, but having said all that, so I, I can't wait. I can't wait because we have some, look, just want, I just want to say thank you for supporting us. Thank you for your belief and trust in us. Thank you for allowing us into your lives for that three hours or however long you listen to us. We're going to be right back with a very special person. Stay right where you're at. Welcome back, folks, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Boy, are we, are you in for a treat now for the next uh, segment? We've got with us a very special person, really a VIP in my book, someone who uh, I've never met in person. I've spoken to a number of times. I've actually uh, appeared on his program. He's appeared on our program before. He may not remember that or probably is more astute than I am, probably does. Uh, however, I have so much respect for this man, Pastor James David Manning. He is the guy behind the Manning Report, the pastor behind the Manning Report. That's heard weekdays live from 9 o'clock in the morning to noon Eastern. That's Monday through Friday, the Manning Report. If you're not tuning into that, you're missing it. And, of course, our mutual friend, Greg Jackson, who is uh, 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 who is uh, uh, spoken at length with uh, Pastor James David Manning as well as, as part of uh, shall we say contributes to the Manning Report, but the Manning Report's on Facebook Live, YouTube. I mean, in, it's such a rich website. His website is atlah dot org org atlah dot org. I can't talk right now. That's right. No, it's atlah.org. It's it's in the description in our in our program description. But without any further ado, Pastor James David Benning, welcome to the Hagman Report, sir. Just fine. Uh, thank you so very much for having me. How are you doing? 
Good, sir. Good. Good. You know, the last time we spoke, I just got, I just got to tell you this. Uh, you, you had me in stitches because you referred to Obama. That was, uh, this is the first time I ever heard of it as the long-legged Mac Daddy. And I just, well, he is. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, uh, that was the first time I ever heard that. And then I understood what it meant. And, uh, uh, but it was just up there. It was just a great time ever since. But pastor, uh, I, first of all, coming out of the gate, I want to thank you for being a, such a stand up stellar man that you are for having such a great program and for bringing a lot of great information uh, via the uh, through the prism of the scriptures and the word of God thank you for your program and thank you for your 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 just for everything you do just allow me that well, well, thank you for having me on and thank you for those very glowing uh, introductory statements you made they were I hope I can get them recorded and replay them and listen to them uh, well, over and over again <laughs> send a photo to my enemies as well let them listen to them also <laughs> Well, well, you know, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we have the the same mutual enemies. But um, but having said all that, Pastor, the reason I I, I was really wanted to have you on, and uh, uh, the one thing that's been on my heart here, we're we're looking at a transition after eight years of of uh, Barack Hussein Obama in the White House, as, as you term him, the long legged Mac Daddy. He's on his way out the door. We're looking at a Trump presidency, Pastor. What's your take on everything here? Um, the uh, outgoing uh, Obama, the incoming Trump. Where do you see this country? I, I have not gotten your take on this, and I, that's kind of what I really wanted to know. Bottom line, your take on what's taking place. I, I think it to do, in segments, if you look, first of all, at Obama, the Mac Daddy, uh, you know, he's on par for being perhaps one of the worst presidents in American history. Um, and I, I mean that as sincerely as I possibly can. Uh, and, and there are several things that that would generate why that is so. Uh, because he came to the presidency uh, with this mantra of hope and change. And while I was completely, fervently in, in, in disagreement and opposed him with every strength in my body, and I tried to warn the American people as well uh, not to put him in, that, in this powerful office, most respected office that we have to give, uh, but having said that, and with all of the opportunities, you, people tend to forget that less than a year after he was illegally inaugurated, he was given a Nobel Prize for peace for nothing, uh, simply because he had accomplished this feat of ascending to the presidency out of a the history of a, the African-American or the Hamite people I was referred to them as, uh, which was highly unseemly that it would happen, uh, because black people are, are plagued with so many various problems um, and have not seemed to over the past 150 years post-slavery uh, to have done the kind of credible job that could, that shouldn't be done uh, within their own communities more or less uh, to take the helm uh, to lead the nation. So having said all of that and that opportunity was given to him then one would have expected that he would have accomplished great things. If not on the economic and national scale for America, at least on the black or the African-American scale, he would have done some things. Black people have become worse in every category, unemployment, uh, higher rates of imprisonment, higher rates of abortion, uh, higher rates of crime. His very own hometown of Chicago is a killing field. I mean, you're safer in Baghdad uh, 
uh, in the Middle East than you are in Chicago. So uh, he really is, except for people who are just afraid to say it, he very easily could be one of the worst presidents we've ever had. Um, and, and, and there's nothing to his legacy. Um, and, and we can talk about that more, but I, I, I don't have great, in fact, I've got some great uh, concerns about who I refer to as Trillation Trump, uh, Donald <laughs> Trump. I, I believe yes. that his presidency, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm confident that his presidency, uh, if it proceeds, uh, is probably going to bring us to a global crisis that we have never seen anything like before. Uh, we're going to find ourselves in the midst of a situation where we've got a president who has been put in power by a people who are contempted with the whole status of where America's at, who feel they've left, they've been left behind, um, and, 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 a, and a social order politically that's afraid to challenge him, which will then leave us with a man who has no regard for the law. He sees himself above the law, and he's not going to he's not going to uh, act in a respectful presidential way. And he's been given the, the mantra that he's outside of the box and he should uh, behave in such a manner. But it's, it, it threatens the well-being of all of us. Uh, we're at some of the darkest hours of America with Donald Tribulation Trump. Have we been have we been hoodwinked? I, I guess because you know the pendulum seems to be swinging so far in both directions. You know, with with Obama, it really swung far to the left, and now it's coming back, and it seems to be going higher each with each successive swing. So, if I hear you correctly, you're looking at Trump perhaps as being um, the the really far end of of the other. Uh, the other side, not not oh, ideologically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All, right. Yeah. all right. So so, but but this is biblically based, though. I mean, you're basing this through the prism of scripture as well, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I, you, you know, Jesus speaks about uh, this period uh, that, which would be in in, in modern day political terms or economic terms, a correction of all the evil. I mean, when you look across the Bible from the days of Abraham and to the time of Egypt and Moses and Pharaoh, or to the times of Joshua and David and the conquering of Israel and the Promised Land, um, that there has been this continual, even in the days of Noah, there's been this continual behavior on, on the humankind uh, that is that's so broad across the human experience, where people just don't want to do what God tells them to do. And time and time again, he gets he gets ticked off with them, to use the term. Uh, he causes the flood of Noah and wipes out the whole planet, and then, of course, finally he chooses Abraham and his sons, and they go into the promised land, and then they act crazy and have to take them into captivity for 70 years in Babylon and Assyria in the northern kingdom. They're they obliviated forever. And then Jesus comes along. <clears throat> And they crucify him. The Christians come along. They are no better. Uh, and, and so what Jesus prophesies is that in order uh, to deal with all of this, he's going to bring a massive killing machine called the tribulation and found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And these are his words, that he's going to bring about wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes in divers places, famines and pestilence. Uh, and only a few people will be saved, which will be referred to as the elect. 
Uh, one of the things I can assure everybody is that we're close today to that period that was prophesied by Jesus than we were yesterday. And, and I think when we, look, when we look at what's happening globally, I mean, when you, when you take the, and, and I, I've studied the scriptures, in fact, I've scratched over them, and I've looked at the, 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 the writings of John from the Isle of Patmos. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at the, the writings of Paul in the New Testament, the most significant beyond the Gospels. And there are two things there. Number one is that the Apostle Paul outlines that the last or the height of the the evils that will be perpetrated by man will be this whole business of man and his unnatural burning uh, for fellow man in terms of sexual contact and pleasures and senses of, of worship uh, that is a complete abomination before Almighty God. Paul writes about that in Romans chapter 1, uh, and he goes on to write about it in other chapters as well. Uh, and, and then he's the architect, if you will, of the church. And he writes about, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, <clears throat> pardon me, about a period of a great delusion where people will be just under a sense of delusion that they uh, they cannot control themselves. What I'm trying to say here is that there is not, not going to be an evil that will be more grievous than same-sex uh, sanctification of marriages, lifestyles. There's nothing in, that humanity can do that's going to be more evil than that. If that haven't been understood, then there is then there can be nothing more uh, that will then precipitate God's judgment upon humankind, which is called a tribulation. So, and I think yeah. Trump is going to be the man going to be one to lead us into that. Yeah, you know, in, in, in anticipation of tonight's uh, your appearance tonight, I was going through your your, your website and looking at the different uh, in your social networking uh, uh, various uh, things that you said, uh, uh, Twitter and, and and such. And I and I understand, you know, tribulation Trump. I understand, and and I was wondering if you meant that for the period or for the man. And I and I can see. I think you're you're referring to that for the man, but. The foundation, and I think if I'm hearing you or reading you correctly in your website, the foundation for where we're at today has been laid over over well it's millennia, but but uh, here has been expedited under Obama. Now we have Trump. Trump is tribulation. Trump, as you as you name him on the website, on your website, or refer to him as such. And now we are with the sanctification, as you put it, of same-sex marriage, the debauchery. Um, we've we've hit rock bottom, and now it's not. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not. We are we're not in a phase of of being patched up, but we're in in a just as deep of a slide as ever, except under the delusion. That we are, um, you know, fixing things. Is that what I'm seeing? And is that what you're kind oh, of saying? Absolutely, you're reading it absolutely correctly. And it's, I mean, it's pretty visible uh, if you just take the time to look at it. If you um, and you've explained it quite clearly, that's exactly where we are. We um, we have reached the bottom of the barrel of the zenith, if you will, of evil. But the problem is we're not the only ones that have been evil. I mean, one can question, I've done this on a number of occasions, I've done it respectfully, um, that, you know, it seems that from the time of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that God has had a, God himself has had a problem with getting his humanity to follow uh, his, uh, his laws. Um, and I think perhaps the one who's done it the best job of that was 
was Job, if we believe the Bible, and then maybe David, um, and then, of course, Jesus as well. But we have, uh, in, in Tribulation Trump, we have a, 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 some really some issues in America that he spoke to um, that are real. I mean, we have massive uh, decline of the economic structure and standing of a great nation. Uh, one would think that uh, after all the years of America's success, that we would not be looking at large pockets of our society that is really struggling just to get by. We should have such a plethora of prosperity across every every social order uh, in our nation with our history and with our economic potential. We've got some greedy people at the top. Yep. who are continuing to, yeah, to, to, to to seek to be ultra and uber billionaires while other people are just barely getting by. Uh, they're unable to pay their bills. They're living very uncomfortable. And he, and he spoke to those issues. The, the, the problem is, is that he's a part of the problem and has been so. That has been his lifestyle to, 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 to hobnob with the people that are creating, if you will, this inequity of our social and economic structure, and he's never done anything to help anybody in that structure. Listen, I'm in Harlem. I can, I can well, I, if I go to the top of our building, I can see Trump Tower from where I, our church building is. I mean, it's just across Central Park. I don't, I've been in Harlem for 35 years, Doug, and I've never, Trump has never come to Harlem. He has never once been here. I mean, not, I mean, he lives in New York. And since right. back in the 1980s, that he would never build in Harlem. I mean, he's never had any concerns for poor people. Uh, and, and so what has happened to people who are in the desperate and dire needs? They've turned to a creature rather than the creator, who is Almighty God, uh, to help us through our dilemma. Um, and, 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 and trust me, he, he, he is the one that that we need to turn to. And every time a society turns to a man, especially when it comes to economic conditions and political strength, it's always a failure. And and, and people have exactly. to then resolve back back to God. And, and you know, uh, Pastor, again, reading uh, your um, your uh, communications on social networking, and, and to, to get this uh, perspective from you, uh, a respected pastor in Harlem, a, a long time, uh, and, and again, a very well-respected man, uh, for, for you to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're, we're seeing things not correctly here. Um, what this reminded me of when I was looking through your, your social networking uh, feeds, what this reminds me of is after 9-11, of course, when we said that we're to rebuild bigger and stronger and higher, you know, the and, and the, the the beam that went up and such on, on the Freedom Tower, what it's called. It's it's a hubris um, that is reflected, that, that carnal hubris that's reflected there uh, in the same fashion. I, I suppose we could equate that with the carnal hubris of making America great again. Again, just in that narrow carnalistic, shall I say, the carnalistic uh, approach here, um, that that does that does range into the spiritual. Is there any comparison to that? 
Well, I, I think that, yeah, absolutely. But what do you prompt when you when you use the, that example of the you make America great again, and then of course the after the World Trade event towers event to make a larger, stronger freedom town? I, I, I think about the Tower of Babel. A right. biblical event that, again, where humanity turned to itself rather than to God uh, to identify itself and actually to deny God the presence or the power or the, the, the if you will, the will to help them. So I, I, I see that as a, as a part of the problem uh, okay. that you've outlined there, yes, to be sure. Okay, and, and the other thing too, I was I was interested in in uh, asking you about as well because this is something that that I, I see taking place, the exacerbation of of as you mentioned this, the people that the, the people who have money, the 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 one percent or even smaller than that, the exacerbation of the difference between those with money and those without is just getting greater every single day. And the same with race relations, same with, uh, I mean, you name an issue, it seems like it's just, it's just becoming greater and greater. I, personally, I don't think that this can be turned around or could be walked back by any one man. It's got to be from the bottom up, not from the top down. Is, is, do you feel that way as well? Or can it be exacerbated on the other hand from the top down? Could it be, can it be made worse? On the latter issue, if you're referring to the race issue, this problem should have been solved long ago. Uh, we should not still be as 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 various races, and particularly black people with white people in in America, uh, at each other's throat. And if there remain any small resistance or pockets of resistance, to it, they should be so minute that they would not have any major influence. But you have to remember that, as I said, actually I said this when I was at. at and a meeting with Trump uh, going back last year that racism is big business in America. It, um, you know, it's a cottage industry for, it's the only thing that black people do that is significantly black people. I mean, you know, you've got got other nations who build airplanes. You've got other major groups. And I mean, you've got the Germans who have just, you know, all kinds of semen systems and they build beautiful automobiles. You've got technology and Japan. They gave us all kinds of televisions and and, and products for the market. Black people don't do any of that. <laughs> They've never built a car. Heck, I don't know if black people ever engineered a, a, a comb or made a pair of shoes. Uh, but what they have done proficiently more than anybody else is that they have perfected uh, racism. I mean, it is a cottage industry. If you look at the, 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 the amount of income that comes into the black community, across the board, even though people may be employed and have respectful jobs, more than 70% of the income that comes to the black community comes in as a result of racism, whether it's a part of the civil rights laws, a part of the equality laws, uh, a part of the affirmative action projects, or working through from some civil government uh, where quotas are required, or whether it's just basic checks that are handed out by the government as as entitlements or programs. Uh, You know, since Lyndon Johnson... In, in the, the, the mid-60s, uh, and the great society, the American people have invested over 50 trillion, trillion with a T, dollars into the poverty programs, into the civil rights program that was instituted by Johnson and, and uh, Adam Clayton Powell Jr. and a few others, Dr. Martin Luther King and all the marching and, and all that kind of a thing. But black people, so racism 
racism is the General Motors. It is the, you know, it it is the the Apple. It is the major corporate. It is the Exxon Mobil, if you will, of black people and black leaders are sin. Uh, even black churches. I mean, you go to a black church, you. I mean, you hear a little something about Jesus. But you also hear, uh, you know, that we got to keep the racism flame. We got to keep the voter registration going. We got to keep, got to get black people in power. We got to identify white racism. I mean, you hear that in churches. It is black people are black before they're Christians. And I, I found that out the hard way that they, they go to church and they, I know they, they know about Jesus, but trust me, you got to get first. You got to first demonstrate you're black before you can then demonstrate you're a Christian. Um, mm. And and so as a result of that, uh, the racism is, is, is spawns and continues to grow. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got white people as well who understand that process. And you know, I, and to some degree, and I, I pray that your listeners would understand this. To some degree, I sympathize with white folk. But let me back up a little bit by saying that um, after after slavery, and then there was the Reconstruction period. Uh, Jim Crow became uh, a, another way in which um, the, the, the matter of slavery was was not the same, but it, it, there was still the power within the white America and its particularly white South to be able to keep to hold all the power strings. Um, and the, the thing that's happening now with, with, with Trump and, and, and white working class America is that the, during the period of Jim Crow up to the, the 60s and 70s, it went all when Jim Crow was effectively defeated. White people, at least they owned the banks. They all the police officers were white. The judges were, you know, the council, the the, the hotel owners. The the, the 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 process was owned by today. You know, white working class don't own that anymore, so they can't wield the same kind of power. So they really got into Trump uh, because he looked as if he could perhaps restore that. But 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 and and, and many people, my initial statements that I sympathize to some degree with white folk, and I pray this is not misunderstood. Because black people are very difficult. Not all people are difficult. Trust me, I've dealt with everybody. But black people are difficult. I mean, they're, they're difficult. Uh, they get they get worse as they go along. They, uh, you, you know, you. This is still America. You know, you would think that the, the Jews would be having continuous racial problems and protests against the Germans. They don't even talk about that anymore. The German, the Jews buy as many Volkswagens they can possibly buy for their schools for their children. Uh, but Interesting but point. People, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting uh, analogy that you painted there. Yes. Yes. But, but black people are difficult. I mean, they. In America, you can say everything, anything you want to say about America. It has its problems. Trust me, we are. But you still have an opportunity here uh, to do uh, to do well economically. Um, and, and there are a large number of people, white folk, if you will, uh, who recognize this profitability and also this reasonable social and religious and spiritual comfort. And looking out to your fellow man as a fellow man, black people don't take advantage of that. I mean, listen, I'm here in Harlem, and they just ran the place into a ghetto. Mm. I mean, it's just making babies, and you can't 
convince the men to, to take care of the babies they're making. You can't convince the women to close their legs, to stop having them. And then they go to the government to have them take care of them. But what kind of man, you know, makes two or three children a year and then sends the, the girl out or the woman out to the, to the, to the government to take care I mean, that's, that's mm. inhuman for a man. Paul says if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. And I preach to the people in the church. I say, you let your son, you know, knock up two or three women, and he comes home and sleeps in your house. He doesn't have his own house. You feed him. He's got babies out there he's not feeding, and yet you want to come to church and be a church mother, sing on the choir, and then shout and speak in tongues all day. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. It is ridiculous. In, 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 indeed it is. Uh, Pastor, oh, let me stop you here. Uh, we're, we're up against the bottom of the hour break. I know that we, you, we have an abbreviated segment, uh, 10 minutes on the other side. Is that still okay with you, or do you, you have to run? Yeah, you I okay can, with I, that? I, I, I can do that. And then okay. I, wa- I want to watch the Mac Daddy. You know, he's giving an address tonight in Chicago, so I want to watch what? that creep. <laughs> All right. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report, Hagman and Hagman.com, HagmanReport.com. Uh, our guest right now, Pastor James David Manning, Atla, A-T-L-A-H dot org. Back for uh, one more brief segment after this. Stay right where you're at. Very interesting conversation indeed. Different perspective, huh? A little bit different perspective. Stay right where you're at. HagmanReport.com. That's our website. Uh, of course, go ahead and uh, follow us on our social networking feeds and also uh, subscribe to our YouTube uh, channel as well. Talking with Pastor James David Manning at law.org, A-T-L-A-H.org. He's got a show Monday through Friday, 9 to noon. That's 9 to noon. Uh, interesting show. It, very uh, informative. And, and uh, in my view, just... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a wonderful pastor, a wonderful uh, preacher, and and he he's got a very keen sense. I mean, being in the heart of of New York, well, in the heart of Harlem, shall I say? And I've, in fact, I was outside of uh, uh, visiting uh, about five, six, seven years ago. I don't know, outside of uh, Pastor Manning's uh, church, and uh, it, during, when I went during my travels, and I thought, ah, oh, there's there is right there. Anyway, uh, so. Uh, it, Glad to have him on. Pastor, we've got only just a few minutes left here of this, uh, or in this segment. Uh, yeah, uh, so Obama's on the way out. How much damage has he done? Uh, and, and we're gonna let you go along before you, you know, before he, uh, goes on the television here, but how much harm has he done? I, I think to the race relations, he has, he has put the final nail in the coffin, uh, and they, here, there's several reasons for saying so, because I, I, even though I thought it was the wrong thing to do, a large number of people, if you will, white people, voted for him because they thought that this long festering problem of black and white people having this continual being at one another's throats, uh, in many ways could be solved by at least giving the highest office to, to a man who was black and who could then reach out and reach across and, and, and bridge and bring people together. Uh, mm-hmm. He failed at that. 
Uh, the, I, I don't know. That, I mean, George Bush did a much better job of bringing the races together. And I don't mean that flippantly. He really did. Uh, Bill Clinton, of course, you know, was really the first black president, according to Maya Angelou and Tony Morris. And they said that there could never be a black president better than Bill Clinton. Uh, he failed. So I think that the damage that he's done as far as race relations are concerned, which is the reason why he was, that was his mandate. That's why he was voted in. Uh, he has made that far worse. But the other thing, he's had an extraordinary destructive impact upon the church. And, and particularly the black church, which had been, even though people are black before they're Christian, uh, at least the church held some sense of respectability to what the Word of God taught. He convinced black preachers all over America to give up the Word of God for this whole idea of same-sex marriage uh, and try to find a way to claim that Jesus was all for it. And that that spirit has to reach down into the children, to the hearts of, and so he's done a he has destroyed the church, but he's also destroyed uh, white people's confidence, um, and, and white folk don't want to help black folk no more. I mean, they're looking at you know they helped. This was a, I mean, the civil rights. We did all of that. Everybody did everything, and then this mm -hmm. ultimate gift. And it, it turns out, uh, he turns out to be a phony. Um, and, and I say that it's for lack of trying to be sure with my terms, my words. Uh, he turns out to be a, a mega, mega disappointment to so many people, uh, both black and white. Uh, I, I, I think he, he can, uh, if, if the appropriate hindsight is applied, he will be the worst president we've had. Uh, in modern history, I, I can't imagine anybody worse than him. And a lot of people say, you're just saying that because you don't like him. You don't like black people. I'm a black people hater. That's not true. You've been to Harlem. I'm in Harlem. I've been here for 35 years and, and preaching to black people and feeding black babies and taking care of black ch school children for 35 years. How can I hate black folk? Yeah, right. I, most black pastors in this community come in this church on, come to church on Sunday, then they drive to the white neighborhoods after the benediction on Sunday night. Uh, but I want, but I want to say one thing, uh, because I, I know a lot of people go to our website and they say, I'm against Trump, and I'm the one thing I think. I, I want people to know that back in October, I think it was, of last year, well, actually now 2015, I endorsed Tribulation Trump. I went to a meeting with him, with a group of other preachers, and we expressed that we were very concerned about a same-sex marriage law that had been passed and the Supreme Court had certified it, the encroachment upon the courts, upon biblical truth and strength and where was it going to go from there, but we were certainly not, we were very unhappy with the fact that the courts had ordered uh, across all 50 states that man could marry man. And we were also very concerned uh, 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 about the fact that Obama himself was not doing what was necessary in terms of filling, fulfilling the the promises and the very need of black people. And Trump said, you know, he, he was going to help us there. And so I've never endorsed a, a politician. I've never endorsed a politician in my all my years of past. I endorsed him. I did. Well, uh, moreover, I went to the meeting because 
uh, Trump for years have been a part of the uh, Bertha movement, and I'm I'm a big time Bertha. Uh, I know for a fact and stake my life on it, in the life of the children of this church, that Obama was born in Kenya. He was not natural born. I mean, here's, nobody knows where this, this man came from. He just popped up, and all of a sudden he's president. Um, and Trump was a Bertha. Exactly. And yes, so, he was. He yes. was. So I, I said, I'm going with this one because he, he, I, I think that he has, Obama has ruined the political presidential tradition and he's violated the Constitution. And a large part of the liberal media will not expose him for who he is. They know who he is. They won't expose him. So if Trump will do that, I endorse Trump. I've never endorsed a politician before, but I endorse Trump. And, and, and that's but, and that's what I saw. Go, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Sorry. But, you know, when, when Kim Davis was arrested down in Kentucky because she refused to issue a marriage license to two men who wanted to get married, and she was, in, she was locked up, Trump was asking a news conference about that. Mike Huckabee went down to see about it. Ted Cruz went to, to campaign for her, try to get her out. Trump stayed in New York and said she ought to obey the law. And I said, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. What do you mean she ought to obey the law? You know, there's a whole lot of laws that are unjust. I think Dr. Martin Luther King had made a whole career on unjust laws. And Henry David Thoreau and everybody else did the same thing. So I said, okay, I got a little bit embarrassed because I stood before the church and the whole world said, I endorse this man. But then about a couple of weeks yeah. later, Bruce Jenner showed up, or at least alleged to have showed up at this building at Trump Tower. And so he was asked, well, which bathroom will you allow Bruce Jenner to use uh, if he comes to your building? And Trump said he can use any, any bathroom he wants, men or women, it doesn't matter. I said, well, I have made a mistake. I'd stand before the church a couple of weeks later. I thought, finally got myself together and built up enough courage uh, to stand before the church and said, I made a mistake. I, I've endorsed this man, and he... I mean, listen. I could disagree. If he if he was saying, "Okay, all right, we're going to go to war in Iraq," and I may disagree with that, but I wouldn't necessarily take back my endorsement. He could even start talking about tampering with the Second Amendment. Is you know, I said, yeah, you don't do that. But I don't know if I. But when you start define the word of God, I would have to endorse and support a man that openly and fully and blatantly defies God's word. That means I'm giving him power to go against the Bible. I couldn't do that any further. I just couldn't do that. Mm. And I had to withdraw. And I was willing to do that quietly until after I made my withdrawal of my endorsement uh, and people started attacking me. Well, I don't like being attacked. And so I started attacking back. (laughs) But the granddaddy of them all was, uh, I think it was just a few months before the election, he held a news conference and said that uh, Obama was born in America, end of story, period, and he walked off the stage. Now, Doug, you have to realize that for eight solid years, I I withstood death threats, people, you've been to our church, people threw bags of feces yep. over our yep. fence to into our courtyard, up against our windows. They've stood outside and chanted. They've called the telephone ringing day in and day out saying they're going to kill me, sending dirty letters because I'm not, I will not support the first black president of the United States of America. And, uh, and they're going to firebomb the church. They're going to kill everybody in the church. So effectively what I did 
was put at risk, all the members of our congregation, because of my view of Obama. And had something happened, it would have happened because I said that Obama was ineligible. He was not born in America. He was born in Kenya. And so for Trump to come along and say... For, for him to change gears like that, no, that's not. I mean, I, I didn't agree with him on that either, Pastor. You know, so, so I mean, so I, so I've gone on not only on the, I've, I've gone on the major attack. If you've listened, look, watched our website because I think what yes. you've done is it's, so yes. that, that's you know that's where I'm at. Very interesting indeed. A, a, a great perspective, by the way. Thank you so much, Pastor. We've, we're up against a short uh, segment here. God bless you, and keep on keeping on, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Doug. Uh, and, Thank you so and, very and, much for having me, and I pray yeah. for your ministry that you continue to do quite well. Uh, you're, it, you're doing a great job, and keep doing it. All right. God bless. Thank you. Yeah, Folks, that was, uh, all right. that was Pastor James David Manning. Atla.org, A-T-L-A-H.org. You know, it's always good to get that perspective. He's in Harlem. He's a, a, a black minister. What's he saying? Endorse Trump. Withdraw an endorsement. Interesting. Whole concept is really interesting. Folks, just stay right where you're at. We're going to take a short, we are taking a break as we speak. We're actually, we, we're actually, uh, fixing some technical issues here. Stand by. Stay right there. All right. All right. For the truth of what the mainstream media won't tell you, you are listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Please stand by. Doug and Joe will be right back. Listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, streaming live on the Global Star Radio Network. Don't go away. Doug and Joe will be right back in just a moment. Folks, to this edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report, actually working out some kinks yet, trying some equipment that we we got in. Uh, 
and uh, preparing for our relaunch on Thursday with the video. So it's good. Thank you so much for your your uh, patience as we just work out the kinks. But um, yeah, it's it's really something. And I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Blew out a hard drive on one of the computers actually, in, in another piece of equipment. Uh, that was I, I guess what was that a week ago Monday. Yeah, we could go yesterday, and just fried, it just overtaxed the the, uh, the hard drive. In other words, so, but that hard drive was not an ordinary hard drive. You know, you know, you think of a hard drive, you can go to Best Buy and buy one for I don't know a couple hundred bucks, right? No, 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 no. Now this is one of those. It's actually a computer. I, I refer to it as a hard drive. It's a computer. It's a it's an interesting piece of equipment. But anyway, I want to thank you for your support because we were able to replace, well, uh, actually not replace it, but get what we needed to get in order to give you a better quality um, better quality image. But here's the other cool thing about this. We are going to be able to now bring on in video guests like we originally planned to, except when we were doing it before we were, I think Eric had too many extension cords plugged in or whatever. Uh, no, seriously, the cords go into this, this box and that's how you get the, um, the, the visuals, the, the Skype visuals. Well, when you push a, uh, computer to, you know, 100% or 90 some percent of capacity and then, you know, puff of smoke and, Again, I'm teasing about the puff of smoke, but when it goes down, it goes down hard. So anyway, so what we've done, just to give you full disclosure here, what we've done is we've made an investment into a uh, a special broadcasting, I call it a broadcasting box, where all, everything's plugged into it. And now we can, we'll be able to um, seamlessly kind of, a, if you think of, if you've ever watched InfoWars, Alex Jones, how there's that, um, Multiple, you know, you're you're actually talking to, and people can see you, and you can see them, and, and such. That's what we have. That's what we're able to upgrade to, and we want to thank you so much for allowing us to do that. So that's kind of that's what happened. And um, so during the sometimes during the broadcasting, we have to do a few things to test out certain functionalities, and that's what that break was about. We don't normally have breaks like that midstream, but there you have it. All right, now. Um, the uh, just on the fake news meme. Now, now, by the way, we are going to have Stan Dale join us at the top of this hour, and then uh, Stan, of course, talking about just a number of things from the the uh, the uh, physics stuff to the geopolitical. I mean, you name it. Um, there's a lot of things to talk about this week, but um, it's interesting. I find it interesting that uh. In the context of the fake news that we were talking about the first hour, Donald Trump. Did you see his tweet? Fake news. Now I'm quoting this. Fake news, a total political witch hunt. Now, here's my question. What was that about? And if you follow him on Twitter and social networking, you'll see a lot of retweets of this. And if you know anything about Twitter, of course, how it works, you understand that it can gain traction. And certainly anything he he sends out via Twitter gains traction. But this is akin, in my view, to 
remember when Drudge came out and kind of gave this really cryptic tweet not too long ago, well, maybe a year ago now, and then appeared on Alex Jones Infowars. I look at this and I, and I compare it to what Drudge did, and I think Drudge was kind of warning us about. Oh, it could be it could have been any number of things that took place right after that, but um, I I suspect that a lot of this this including but not limited to what Trump sent via Twitter I believe has to do with uh, the um, well the things like his trend it has to do with his transition Gizmodo the website I don't know whether you saw this or not but it was big news here today and people were grabbing onto this news where the heads of the the, the people that control the the national uh, nuclear security agency were unceremoniously let go by Donald Trump now th- during a transition and this is important to understand during a transition this does not happen because that's one thing you just can't you can't toss these people out. You know, the, the, the transition has to be smoother than that. Well, one website was reporting that uh, the heads of the National Nuclear Safety Administration or Security Administration were being uh, fired. And because of, uh, by Trump. And again, it, it gained leg, legs, it gained traction. And this is something that we looked at earlier today. Actually, Joe and I did today earlier in the, in the, in the office. And we, we said, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right, even though this website's got a good track record. And it was, this was actually sent over social networking and such. And wouldn't you know it, there was a retraction that was made, I don't know, several, it was a, just a couple of hours ago, saying, well, we, we might have made a mistake, we might have jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, they weren't really let go. We just haven't been invited to stay on. Now, that's a whole different matter altogether. I do believe that there are a lot of issues taking place in the transition and tanking the transition of Trump. Now, I, I would, although I've got a hundred percent respect for Pastor David Manning, if we had more time, I would have gotten into this. I don't agree with him, with his, um, uh, I understand, but don't agree with with his discussion about Donald Trump. Uh, with respect to, uh, I, under, I understand, but don't agree with it. And, but I respect it. I I, under, I understand it and respect it, but I don't agree with it because here's here's the situation. Uh, but but it's it's already done. I mean, he's already in office. So the retra- retraction to me of endorsement, okay, uh, okay. You know, what does it matter? Now, and I would tell him that too. If, if we had more time, I would tell him that directly on the air. And then we could, you know, we could talk about it. But I understand because, of course, of the God, of the commandments by God, of course, you know, the, the homosexual, uh, the, the tolerance of the homosexual issue by itself is a disqualifier in terms of well, at least the body, I believe, the, the church. You, you cannot be double-minded like that. However, when you're talking about pure leadership and you're only faced with two choices, and, and regardless of what people say, and, and I'm not going to get into this argument, regardless of what people say, look, you only have two viable choices. You've got to, 
you, you've got to make that choice based on uh, how uh, it, 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 well, based on the possibility for redemption. I guess to put it in, chur- in in a church terms. And I'm not a minister. I'm not a pastor. I don't claim to be. I never claim to be that. I'm a Christian man. That's it. That's my claim. I'm a Christian man. I'm an investigator by, by profession. I pretend to be a talk show host, and I'm a, a Christian man. And, I, and, I, and I'm a guy that, that cares about this country, cares about my family. I, I, I'm very passionate about uh, where we're headed. And I'm passionate about the platform and job I've been given. But I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm just, I'm just a guy. But see, so I look at it this way. I, I look at it when, when, between Trump and Hillary. There's really, if that's the only choice, and sincerely, that's the only choice, short of, short of what? Rewiring the system quickly? Ain't gonna happen. So you make the choice based on, based on what you're, you play the cards you're dealt, and that's kind of where we're at with that. But having said all of that, look, the transition that's taking place is being tanked by the progressives. And I go back to the transition, and you might think I'm jumping all over the place. I'm really not, because when it's all said and done, if you take a few steps back, forget the trees, you see the trees, look at the forest, look at the landscape, look at the total landscape and there you'll find, I believe, what is shaping up this for the long game. The long game is the takedown of America, the takedown of the West, the implementation of the, the, this one global governance, and they're doing it in any way they can. Trump, at this point, is, and, and this is from information I'm getting one source, I've got just one source now on this. The, the there's an, the, there's a hatred, the, there's an extreme animus between the established, and, and you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to understand this, between the, uh, the entrenched people in Washington and the incoming, uh, Trump administration and the people there, the, 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 the um, advanced team of Trump, the transition team, I'm sorry, of Trump, is getting a lot, reportedly a lot of blowback from Obama, despite this, oh, you know, everything's fine and let's have a smooth transition. But even, this is even worse, folks, than taking the W's off the keyboards. Remember that, Clinton? <laughs> no, it's even worse than that. So, in the long game, looking at this, and as we prepare to close out this hour, when we look at this, that the situation, let's look at it in the, in the, in the manner in which I think that we need to, and that's the fact that the globalist, the elitist, and as Patrick Wood said, you know, George Soros is one guy. For every Soros, there's a couple of hundred others that are not named, and don't forget, homework on the new guy. Remember? We're gonna be, I, I'm gonna be putting together a video on this as well. Trilateral Commission, member, CFR author of books in the hands of all the globalists you know who I'm talking about I'm not I'm not going to mention his name you're going to have to go back and listen to that segment or 
watch our website because I'm going to be doing a video as well on this. But see, it all goes back to well, the one thing I will agree with, with Pastor Manning about, you know, the Tower of Babel. It does go back to that the origins there. And it's all scripturally based. What we're seeing right now is all scripturally based to me. This is all if 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 you're not looking at what's taking place today through the prism of biblical prophecy, you're missing the boat. That's my view. As we close out this hour, I want to mention tomorrow you got to join Steve Quayle. Uh, uh, Steve Quayle is going to bring on. Uh, he's got a couple of people we're going to bring on with Steve tomorrow, talking about a, a wide range of issues. Um. Some practical solutions as well. Short, long and short of it is, uh, Steve and I were talking about a number of different issues, from communications to, to, uh, uh, well, to to how to protect ourselves in in different ways and shapes and forms. So anyway, we're going to be talking about some solutions tomorrow with Steve Quayle, and then of course Pastor David Langford tomorrow night. And yes, to answer some of the people in the email, we're going to be publishing our schedule ahead of time as best we can. Up next, Stan Dale from standale.com. Stay right where you're at. So glad you're joining us. Really, really appreciate your belief and your trust in us. Uh, Stan Dale is our guest. StanDale.com every Tuesday, and, and he's he's a he's got you know he's the kind of guy I wish I he, he, the, the, he's the kind of guy that you would want as your professor, your teacher, right? I mean, seriously, if you're taking a physics course, you'd want him as your professor. Because he's the guy, the kind of guy that could explain it to you. If he can get it, if he can get it across to me, I'm sure he can get it across to everybody. Physics, that is. His website, standale.com. Now, folks, remember until until we get our video back up on Thursday, and I'm so so excited about that too. So we can see all of you as well. Oh, come on, I'm kidding. Um, until we get our, our video back up on Thursday, you're gonna have to go to uh, Standale's website standale.com click on the show images there i can we cannot bring them on we cannot bring the images on okay because the again the unit that did that is toast but um the other one is is still being brought up here by eric the tech before we get to stand i want to mention greenevative.com have you have you gone to greenevative yet if not why not greenevative this is the greatest little device i've ever seen before it is a well, they they invented the GMAG power cell. It weighs only 8 ounces, and it makes power simple by adding salt water. It recharges rechargeable batteries. It's a must-have. Rechargeable batteries and recharged batteries are a must-have in any emergency. Throw-away batteries will go dead, either on the shelf or during use. And dead rechargeable batteries need electricity to recharge, so the, the fine folks at Greenovative, a company based in the United States, of course, made by, I mean, this is all U.S. made, has made what they call the GMAG power. So, GMAG, 
power cell. Weighs only eight ounces and charges batteries using salt water. The greatest little device I've ever seen in, in ever. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's fantastic. You, it's, it's, uh, it's made by a Florida company. You don't need sun. You don't need wind or anything like that. Super GMAG charger. It's affordable, lightweight. Again, about eight ounces durable, EMP proof, environmentally, environmentally friendly. And, uh, it's something we use here just because it's fun to use. Folks, go to greenevative.com. That's greenevative.com. Or go to Hagman and Hagman.com or HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Green Evative and get yourself one of these today. You won't be sorry. It's, it's a great little tool. Stan, thanks for, thanks for hanging with us and thanks for coming and thanks for all you do, my friend. Thank you, you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, you were talking about uh, uh, being a physics instructor. I I did teach at a university down in Australia at uh, Curtin University. I set up the course uh, for computer graphics and animation. Oh, gosh, at the very leading edge of computer graphics going to broadcast down there. And uh, uh, I did have fun with my students. Uh, As you said, I, I do try to explain to them exactly what I mean instead of blinding them with science and $50 words. I try to do it with $5 words and common examples. And it's uh, something I, I kind of tried to copy from uh, Professor Einstein because that's the way he used to, to illustrate you know general relativity and special relativity with uh, parables, uh, you know, like the good Lord did. So anyway, it's an effective way to, to uh, convey ideas and teach people. Well, like Einstein, like Einstein minus the hair, though. Um, you, well, you, no, you, that's true. I, I still have uh, my own hair, and it's it's not great yet, but it's working. It's working. <laughs> oh man! So, what's on your radar? What's on your radar today? Well, a few things. Um, you know, with all this news about hacking and stuff, and uh, Russia hitting us, and China, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Holly reminded me that there's a, a website out there called Norse, N-O-R-S-E, which gives you real-time tracking information about which countries are hacking which other countries and what cities. And um, I, I uh, put the, the links up there, I put three of them up there to stills I took on the website uh, on uh, the uh, Show Images page. Obviously, you can't uh, show everybody, but if they go to uh, the Show Images page and look at image um, four, five, and six, and there you click up on them. Uh, they they have um, attack origins column, attack types column, attack targets, live attacks going on, and who's doing it. And I find that when I put it onto the, the live link, you, you you actually click beneath the pictures, and it takes you to the to the live link at that moment. That it um, it shows that like the attackers are using Microsoft Corporation like a lot. Uh, I guess from the United States, and then from China, they're using ChinaNet, uh, Tianjin Province uh, Network. But mostly, I see Microsoft Corporation zipping across over there as the live attack origin. That might be that overseas people use Microsoft as well to, to gateway through or something. But I'm looking at that, that first image up up there. Uh, at, when I snapped this yesterday, it had 483 attacks being initiated by the United States, all over the world. Majority of them went into um, India and China, some into Europe and stuff like that. And uh, everybody seems to be picking on a little place called the United Arab Emirates, the UAE. And it's because of um, understaffing under budgets and no control over their internet that people all over the world, not just the United States, but you know all the other countries that do internet, are and have got hackers, are doing a, like a skip through United Arab Emirates. And so you'll see 
um, if you click on that thing live um, and the little circle for United Arab Emirates, you'll see that there's um, a zillion people all over the world zeroing in on United Arab Emirates. And the little arrows and, and lines and explosions that go on showing you what's happening, it's, it's dynamic. And, uh, you know, it, I'd hate to be on their Internet system because it must be absolutely hackable everywhere. Uh, and once they find out about it in the hackers community uh, of the globe, they dive in there and then they dive out of there to other countries. So it looks like the UAE is attacking, say, you know, New York or something. And it's really probably Russians or Chinese or some clever hacker that have dived into there and then bounced over there to another server and then over into the United States. But um, mm. it does show that the U.S., China, and the Netherlands are the heavy hitters in hacking people. Um, it, as I say, it's dynamic. It, it occurs, you know, real time. Well, if I can ask you a question about this, because I, I, I've I've known about this site and I've looked at it, and it's fascinating to watch. Man, yeah, it's it's like, but but no, okay. Here's my question. All right, um, I, because I, you alluded to it in, in your comments before, uh, in reference to the UAE, for example, what we're seeing here. How do we know the original points of origin of the hacks? In other words, um, how do we know that what we're seeing here, for example, on the still image of the first or any number that or any one of the still images that shows from. Uh, you know, one 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 line to another, or one line going from one end to, to another. How do we know that that's not proxy? That's the original. Hack? You don't. You don't. Okay. Uh, you do know that the red dots uh, in this are showing where the attack is originating from, and the white dots are those under attack. Um, at least that's you know the wisdom on their page. Um, but as I was saying, you know, uh, why you know why can't they proxy? You know, skip through other servers through UAE or something, and um, you right. know, you wouldn't know who did it. Uh, it. It would really take a hacker, I think, a professional hacker, sitting here looking at these things and on his computer with a hacking source program and say, ah, we'll backtrack this guy. No, we'll backtrack him from there, from there, from there, and he could tell if it's one or two jumps from where it is that the guys are piggybacking other servers to get to their target. Other than Digital that, I don't know checks, how we yeah. tell with this exp- yeah. uh, this uh, site. Yeah, and, and email tracing, you can you can trace the digital handshakes from the verbose headers. I get that in this, you know, not so clear to me, but nonetheless fascinating. And, and yeah, boy, there's a whole lot of activity. Um, if you click wow. in the text below, it'll go live. You know, yeah. and you can see. I mean, the United States is getting pounded in New York and Washington State and California. Uh, mm. And let me just see if I do this here. Let's see, the United States. Is being attacked mainly at the moment by China, uh, west coast of India. Most of it's Chinese. Uh, some in uh, oh Europe, yeah. But um, let's see who's doing mm, the UAE at the moment. Well, the United States has got a bunch of threads uh, going into UAE. Uh, Chinese do. Um, I guess it's going to be where you know. People can afford to have computers and spend time, you know, wasting time uh, hacking other people or yeah. government agencies or whatever. But um, these these things uh, do allow you to um, to click on it and uh, pause it, or you know, so you can see the explosions and the lines where they're coming from. Um, <clears throat> and wow. it's it's really quite fascinating, if not frightening, to see how many times a second people are trying to hack into our government. You know, it's just incredible. Mm. 
Yeah, anyway. that's, that's very true, especially in light of the the, the Russian uh, allegations. And that was my my other you know concern, or I'm curious. Um, the digital fingerprints, we'll say, left by uh, potential hackers. Uh, to to me, if if I was looking, if there was clear evidence of of a hack by Russia, for example, I would not expect to find the digital fingerprints of Russia on the hack. I, only because you could use proxy servers to do that, but that's just my thinking, so I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, well, they must have some clever way to backtrack it because all of the intelligence agencies um, in the congressional stuff we've been seeing have said that they've got positive proof that Russia was behind a lot of the, the hacking uh, in the election. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But again and again, they say that it didn't affect the, the polls or, you know, the, the vote counting in any way. It was just uh, the only effect it could have had was uh, perhaps influencing public opinion and uh, over emails and that kind of stuff. Interesting. Of course, the U- U.S. doesn't do any of that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think yeah. that uh, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Have you been to Holly's uh, to her uh, uh, website she does every day with the news and stuff? We have. We have. Yep. Yep. What do you think fact, about the photo right? of the day about Obama standing in the midst of a bunch of destruction? His work is almost <laughs> done, it says. You know, I've seen that. I've seen that photo before. Every time I see it, uh, it gives me kind of the shudders. You know, it it's it, yeah. And folks, go to uh, standeo dot com, and there the photo of the day. It's on the right hand side. And of course, I'm. You know what? It's been all over social networking, but this photo as well. And you just imagine this ruinous heap of ash and burning embers, and Obama in a shirt and tie saying, "You know, yeah, my work here is done." And uh, yeah, or his work is almost done. Yeah, yeah. Did you look at the uh, the meme of the day? No, I, I didn't. That, that, that one I did. Click that. on that one. That that's for computer guys and and people that are Trumpites. Have a look at it. You'll see a picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's uh, getting the title of it's ridding the country of malware. And uh, Holly's put up this uh, image. It shows uninstalling Obama. And it says in the, the header, Obama is being uninstalled. And so it's like when you're uninstalling software for your program. Right. This little green bar is moving over to the right, and it says 95% complete. Just please wait. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Well, you know, yeah, yeah that's that's pretty cool. I, I've not seen that before. Um well, what's your what's your take? I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of angst being, you know, a lot of hand wringing, saying, "Oh my goodness, uh, there's going to be some uh, junk happening on on inauguration day uh, on the 19th." And I know that uh, that's you know you're going to be here before then, but again before then. But uh, any thoughts on this? I mean, are are you concerned at all about? DC and you know these anarchist groups. Oh, definitely, our prayer time every day. We we uh, hear mention that to protect Mr. Trump, Mr. Pence, and their families and their whole team uh, from damage or you know from attempted assassination or assassination. We we pray yeah. for their protection because we are concerned about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know if I, if I was Trump, I, I certainly would think about having it in, in, indoors given the level of threats, but. But I, you know, I said in the first hour, Stan, and I know I'll just shut up and turn it back to you. But I said in the first hour, you know, although that is a concern, right. I'm, I'm looking at the long term. Um, 
you know, the, the globalists, the uh, people with the power, in my view, have long-term goals, and uh, it goes well beyond the, the, the you know, the disruptions of, of the 20th or, you know, even the day, day or two after. It goes into the years. That's my, my feeling. But anyway. Well, uh, yeah, did you, I don't know whether you saw the photo of the day yesterday, but um, Holly uh, found Obama's new house that he's going to lease. And uh, it's right, it's like about two or three hundred feet from a super mosque there in yep. D.C. Yep. It's about, oh, maybe two miles from the White House. And um, the, um, uh, I think it's John Podesta's house, is that the one that was next to him? Oh, his cousin, yeah. John Podesta's John Podesta's brother lives uh, one house away from uh, Obama's new house. It's kind of a, when you look at that whole little kind of peninsula there that all these notables live on, they're near Washington, or near D.C. They're like uh, consulates and, you know, a lot of Arab consulates and other country consulates, they all live in that area. So I don't think he and uh, Obama intends to really remove himself from politics at all. I think he's going to go over there and, you know, try to backdoor engineer a lot of stuff through his connections there. No, I, I totally agree with you, and, and that was that was a fascinating uh, 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 map, uh, showing the proximity. And the, the only thing I would add is he's probably—I think he's adding a pizza shop to the front of his house. Oh, come on! <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hear about that now. Yeah, you uh, probably will. Um, I let's see. Uh, I've got that picture here. Uh, it was up yesterday's uh, photo of the day. I've, uh, Holly just sent me the link to it, but it's. Um, I'll have to put that up on the uh, thing at the break. Uh, at the half hour break, I'll put it up on the show images page as a direct link, and people can look at it then. But it's just so close to the Islamic Center of Washington D.C. I mean, it's like 200 feet. He can he can wander on down there after evening or five times a day or whatever and do his Muslim prayers. And it's yeah. uh, right, right next to the embassy of Oman. Duh. <laughs> and he's only paying twenty, or somebody's only paying twenty-two thousand dollars a month for his house to lease. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I mean, seriously, twenty-two thousand dollars a month. I know, I know. Man. That's just ridiculous. But anyway, uh, and and you know how, how did he? Because he's got uh, he's got other property as well. Um, I don't know. It just seems to me like you talk about self-enrichment on the backs of taxpayers' government uh, service. My goodness, there it is. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're paying for it one way or another. Yes. It's like uh, it's like Trump saying to Mexico, "You're going to pay for that wall one way or another." Well, we're going to pay for Obama's retirement excesses one way or another too. It looks like. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> and, and when does it stop? I, I don't. That's the thing. I don't think it's ever going to stop at this point. It's uh, and who can stop it? Um, anyway, we have, we'll have to do something like Poland did, and just everyone stop working, stop playing, you know, stop feeding the system in order for any meaningful change. I, don't I know. Think it's I know. Now, listen. I uh, did promise you last week um, you know, to uh, get the information to you on how to enter the Hagman DTP or Data Prepare giveaway. Yes, it's on um, your website. I see that. Go ahead. We're going to select 10 winners on January the 24th, so that gives everybody two weeks to um, get their entries in. And uh, okay. you can uh, use a pre-addressed email. There's a little link. You can click on it in blue, or you can just email it to me at standoatstandout.com and put in the subject line, Hagman DTP Giveaway. 
the drawing. Um, I'm saying that because as we're speaking here, uh, emails are already starting to flow in. <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I will, I will uh, bring notice to people outside the United States because the postage is getting to be quite prohibitive. We'll give you the book free if you're outside the United States, but we'd ask you to pay for the the uh, postage on that. That's all. Yeah. But for America, it's free. Okay. And, and Eric, stop emailing him. Stop spamming him. Eric the Tech is over there. You know, no, I'm just kidding. I think there's a thing that says you can only enter once, but uh, tell Eric that. <laughs> Save him time and his finger there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, and, and that, that's, folks, that's a great book. Dare to prepare. It'll bless you. It'll help you prepare. It's it's an encyclopedic. Uh, it's really a great book. Dare to prepare. It's it's a great. Hey, hey, it's a it's a great deal at twice that price. Uh, no, I'm I'm kidding, but uh, anyway. yeah, cheap at half the price. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, the uh, the other thing I, I was looking at. Uh, somebody sent me a link. Um, a, a fellow from down in uh, I think it's Arizona. Yeah, um, and he um, it's in images seven, eight, and nine on my show images page. If you look at image seven, it's an area called the Dragon's Head. Um, I don't know why it's not showing here, but anyway, um, I'll check that at the break, too. I'll click on the type and see if that works. Okay, the type works. The picture's just screwed up. Click on the uh, on that image there, uh, image uh, 7, on the text part, and that'll take you to the overview image of Grand Canyon. And in the middle of it there, you'll see there's an object 4 feet by 48 feet, as close as I could measure it from the uh, uh, Google Earth. And it's on Dragon's Head Ridge. Now, there's an interesting history about this part of Grand Canyon. Years ago, there was a rumor that there was an ancient Egyptian stash of statues and even some Chinese things and stuff all hidden in a cave that a guy stumbled across and could never find again um, in the Grand Canyon walls there. Now, other explorers came after that looking for that missing cave over the years. And they would name various ridges and valleys and stuff there for their favorite deity gods and their studies or Egyptian history. And I don't know which one named this one, this area here, the Dragon's Head region or the Dragon's Head Ridge and Valley and all that stuff. But it is interesting because in the middle of this Dragon's Head Ridge, if you now go over to the next image to uh, image 8, you will zoom in a bit and you can see a close-up of the ridge, and on the left, you'll see an object four feet by 48 feet with a little yellow pin in it, and you see a red and blue and green line coming out of the pin there. You can just barely see it, and there's a little dirt trail about um, 250 or 225 feet or so up to the north of that, cutting across that ravine. Okay, well, let's zoom down in and see what this guy sent me. The next image, uh, you know, being... Uh, nine. And when you zoom into that object, I'm trying to figure out what the heck this is. If somebody does know what this is, I'd appreciate knowing it myself. It, it's uh, got a white line running, die, well, kind of from north down to southeast. And attached to that line are some little white square-looking things. And then right in the middle of that, there's like a flare from a, a camera lens of a dotted green light, a dotted blue light, and a dotted red light. It uh, is a 
like a laser, three-type laser or something, shining into the camera up in orbit when this picture was taken. And since it's such a small thing, I mean, it's definitely dark uh, ground around it, and then these light, uh, you know, uh, kind of geometric shapes, I guess would be the best way to describe it. It's a small installation, whatever it is. I mean, 48 feet, I mean, that's, you know, what, three car lengths and uh, half a car wide. So what the heck is this? It, uh, the guy that sent it to me said maybe it's a, a sensor of some sort. But anyway, if any of our uh, listeners know what that is, I'd, I'd sure like to know one of these days. That'd be good. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I've never... Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Okay. okay. I, I I thought if it was anything valuable, I was going to say I'd, I'd pick you up in about 18 and a half hours. And, uh, we'll go yeah, you've been listening to Ed Dames and he's pot of gold like he used to tell Art Bell. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> uh, it's an Irish legend, big boy, Irish yeah. legend. Indeed. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. And, and folks, I would, I would urge everyone to, if you know, or, you know, any, any ideas, uh, let Standale know. It's, uh, well, if you go to the show images page, you'll see it as discussed, uh, seven, eight, and nine, respectively. All right. Okay. Now up at, uh, image number, image number, uh, up at the top of the page, image number 13, we have a little snap there of, uh, a meteor or asteroid number 2017 13 Did you cover this yesterday on the show? No, did not. Okay. Nope. It's between, it's an average, well, it, it's small area the diameter is 36 feet, and the big side of it's about 111 feet. It's kind of like a potato type thing, a deformed potato in size. This whizzed along at about 35,000 miles an hour between the moon and the earth, about halfway uh, between the earth and the moon. Um, did you hear anything about it? I heard nothing about it. Click on that little link I've got up there on that image, and it'll take you over to an article over on CNET. Uh, and uh, scientists at the Catalina Sky Survey discovered the rock on Saturday, but did we hear about it? No, not until today when it's already passed. But uh, it's another one of those things where whew, that was a closer call on, uh, yesterday. Uh, didn't even know we were a threat. Had I known about this, I would have worn my my you know uh, bicycle my no my bicycle helmet outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow, it's the size of a ten story building. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they might even show it in that video down there in Chile. The clip they took of it, um, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, it's just another one of those cases that we hear about it after the fact. That, you know, NASA or somebody saying that was a close one. What was? You say what was? <laughs> so, so I mean, they, they had to know about it beforehand. They just didn't say anything, right? Is that is that the deal, or or didn't they? Well, he, they should have known about it beforehand. If they didn't, uh, this is still a worry because they haven't got enough budget to do the tracking. They need to tell us about all the close approach asteroid near Earth asteroids or objects. I guess is the best way to say it to near Earth objects. Uh, that are wow. coming our way. I don't know that uh, you could do much uh, to prepare for something like that because until they, something like that was going to actually hit, you wouldn't be able to calculate the the hit on the Earth, the, the exact impact. And then at that point, you probably wouldn't say anything to anybody because there's no way you could get them out of the way in time because you don't have a, a warning of a minute or two at most. Yeah, exactly. Well, about, the, about the only thing we could say was, what in the world was that? And, and that, that's about it. Uh, yeah. That is? Or, or that's going to leave a mark. Um, <laughs> Stan, we're, th- we're, 
<laughs> we're at the bottom of the hour. We're at the bottom of the hour. Stan Dale's our guest. Goofy mood, I guess. I don't know. Stan Dale's yeah, our guest. It is. Ah, oh, standeo.com. That's his website. Don't forget, go to standeo.com and click on the email link, Dare to Prepare. What a great book. What a great, uh, you know what, folks? You'll be blessed. So go ahead and enter if you're in the continental United States. Holly uh, Deo's got a wonderful product, Dare to Prepare, and that's for Hagman listeners. We thank them, Standeo and Holly Dale. Get right back. Stay right where you're at. Indiana Jones, Standeo is with us, standeo.com. That's his website. Folks, go to standeo.com. Enter the, uh, right on the top there, uh, free Dare to Prepare giveaway. How great is that, huh? Um, uh, yeah. Um, Eric just is shaking his head. Yep, 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 yep. And it's, it's pretty cool because we have, uh, Dare to Prepare here. The, uh, I think all, all editions and, not only do they just keep getting better, but they're just a wealth of information. You'll be very, very blessed to have one. Stan Dale again is our guest. Stan, thanks for holding through. Thanks for hanging All on. Right. Ten-story uh, building passes us by. No one says a word except, wow, that was close. All right, that's where we left off. That was close, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, show him just page 10. Okay. Astronomers predict explosion in the night sky for 2022. In the actual article, it... Uh, the paper that the guy wrote said 2020, but 2022, who, who knows? What they've done is they've found, over the last 15 years, studying data of a star out near the uh, northern, um, uh, the um, there's a constellation out there. What is it? It's like uh, the North Star constellation. Let me just see. Anyway, um, it's going to, to merge. Two stars are orbiting each other so close that their their solar atmospheres are starting to mix, and that's close. And so you can imagine in your mind two stars just rotating around each other, just spinning around. And when they do collide, it's going to release a lot of energy, as much energy as our sun would release in an entire year. is going to come out in just a few seconds, which I thought was rather, wow. rather neat. Okay. Uh, it, it's called a binary star system. I mean, we were a binary star system originally, but the other, the twin for us is dead or are swung loose and is drifting out there somewhere, not ignited. Um, but anyway, it's uh, okay. It'll be something to see in the night sky. As he, he says he, he can't predict for sure, but they're pretty much certain at, at the rate at which they're scooting close to each other and, and, and allowing for the equation for them when they're going to hit that it will hit between twenty twenty and. 2022. Um, anyway, it, wow. uh, it'll be something to look forward to if we're all still here and alive and, and you know, uh, not thrown back into the Stone Age by EMP on our uh, electronics here in this country or something like that. But anyway, uh, uh, click uh, on that. You can read the article yeah. there. Wow. Yeah. That's And it's at Apache Point Observatory where they're observing it at the University of Wyoming. For those that are interested in that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, next article is rather an interesting one, actually. 
It's called it's picture twelve. It's called the butterfly people. You know, yeah, I was looking at that. Okay, this is interesting. I I started to, and and then the break was over. But Uh, (laughs) well, in uh, in May of twenty eleven, twenty second of May, uh, as the article says, an EF five tornado ripped through Joplin, Missouri. It was a mile wide and killed one hundred and fifty eight people. Now, and it injured another 1,150. The damage by insurance was at least $3 billion to that little town of 50,000 people. Now, okay, so the storm strikes, the tornado strikes, levels buildings, the houses just rips them apart, and it, it should look like a war zone after it had finished. Um, now, two cousins, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce the name, it's L-A-G-E, Laggy, Lag, Lage, Grisby, and Mason Lillard, <clears throat> these two were um, uh, 10 and 14 uh, on that day, uh, or in Mound, maybe when they did the story. But anyway, they were in the middle of a bunch of debris, and um, uh, they were just, you know, in metal debris, not just soft. It was really stuff that could have killed them. And uh, one of the, I think the girl was so close to having one of those pieces of metal drive into her spine and, and the other into her liver that she'd have been a goner if it had hit. But when they started taking the kids out, the uh, kids say they saw the same thing. People with wings, according to the story that was in the Joplin Globe, a hand touched Lillard's shoulder as she lay in the wreckage of her grandparents' vehicle. She thought it was Grigsby, her cousin, but when she looked it was something that this church-going child didn't expect. Butterfly people. One with brown hair, the other blonde, and she told the Globe it was kind of calming. <laughs> um, mm. These cousins weren't the only ones who were touched by people with wings. The St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch recounted the story of a mother running for shelter while holding her young daughter. The wind knocked them to the ground, and the mother saw the twister lift the car and shoot it toward them. The model, mother cradled her daughter, trying to protect her from the impact an impact that never occurred. When she looked up, her daughter said, didn't you see the butterfly people? Then went on to tell her mother that she could see these butterfly entities carrying people through the sky. So I'm thinking, obviously, this must be some kind of angels uh, with these nice big wings, you know, like a butterfly wings is what they saw. And that would be calming if they were like butterflies with the wings slowly moving, you see what I'm saying? Not rapid sure. clap like, uh, you know, um, the, uh, oh, what do you call them? Uh, my mind's gone blank. The honey eaters, the little... Oh, like, uh, 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 yeah, uh, hummingbirds. Uh, hummingbirds, yes, yeah. yes. It, it, it hurts getting old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you can hear anyway, the pain. But anyway, I thought that yeah. was really neat uh, that they would describe them as butterfly wings and, and in addition to just being angels, that they had this calm, peaceful movement of the wings. And then I got thinking about it. What if... In the, in the moment when you're terrified and things are happening quickly, the adrenaline rush in your body alters the rate of time passage so you can see these things that ordinarily wouldn't see. And I say that because of this. Years ago when I was a teenager, uh, my uncle uh, loaned me uh, his Cadillac for a date out in uh, the uh, California desert, Mojave Desert. And he set me up on a blind date with this girl who wanted to drive my uncle's car just down this little strip of the road on the way to the movie we were going to. And I said, okay, fine. Well, she turned out to be a lunatic, put her floor, her foot to the floor, and tried to race this Cadillac along a long string of cars. 
dead-end road. And beyond that was some sand and then the foothills, you know, mountains. Well, I realized that she wasn't going to let go of the wheel because she panicked and screamed. And I leaned over to try to, you know, move the wheel. She wasn't doing it. Then the adrenaline cut in, and I, I thought, right, if we turn at this speed, we'll roll into the mountain. So I hit her and, uh, you know, uh, hit her in the head, knocked her loose, grabbed the wheel. But I did all this in slow motion because the adrenaline, I could see everything in slow motion. And I knew, okay, now then kick the foot out of the pedal, put the foot, your foot on the brake, steer it straight, and now we're bouncing in this ditch by the road. We're up in the air. We're airborne, and we're coming down into the sand, and there's the mountain ahead of us, and the car comes to a stop. Now, uh. I saw that in slow motion. I had time to do all those things. If you were looking at me in real time, it would have been bim, bam, bam, over the fence, dead, you know? Sure. But we we didn't crash. We drove away from it. And what had happened was, um, in addition to the adrenaline slowing everything down, what had happened was when we bounced in the air fortuitously over that ditch, over a fence, uh, and then down into the sand, there was enough sand there to act like a sand break for us, and it, we shoved the sand ahead of us up to the foot of the, the mountainside there and stopped. <laughs> of course, I got out, and after the adrenaline uh, had been uh, left over from the, the accident, I was a nervous wreck, shaking like a leaf. But during the thing, things slowed down. I'm wondering with these people that saw these butterfly angels uh, and, and you know, the wings gently flapping, if... The adrenaline rush does allow you to see that uh, if you're you know, able to see angels, that would be be why because your your facilities and your brain are accelerated so that everything around you is in slow motion except the angels and they're relatively slow but they're still doing their job. You, you know, Stan, that's a great, um, and I'm sure anyone who's been in that that situation where, uh, yeah, accidents I guess are, are perhaps the the best. Uh, Example, you know, things do happen in slow motion. I, I remember one accident seemed like it took forever, uh, to, you know, to get over um, in slow motion that I was in. But okay, so how? Okay, and, and I'm not even sure how to ask these questions. And this is where, when I mentioned at the beginning of, of your appearance about you know you being that professor kind of guy that makes it easy for people to understand by slowing things down. Would that also affect the time-space um, continuum? In other words, might we be able to see through little dimensional portals? I don't know how. Would how else, I, I'm, not, I'm searching for the words. I'm not even sure I know how to answer, ask the question. Uh, uh, you're, I think what you're saying is, did it slow time-space around us in addition to the mind? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I guess so. I think that's probably what I'm asking. And if it sounds uh, if it sounds like Einstein, yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have an answer for that. I can guess. Um, it would seem to me that it's a an event that is unique to the individual observing it, which would mean it's more of a an internal physiological, you know, biological function of the person viewing it. Um, not everybody, for instance, in a car wreck goes into slow motion, but the people who do, you know, are experiencing that adrenaline rush and that uh, alteration of the rate of time passage. With the angels, uh, in these events where there were so many people in the disaster that needed help, um, it 
you could say that they had opened up a portal or had slowed time down that area, and the only people that could see it would be uh, maybe children uh, because of some uh, way their brains haven't developed yet to, to block out the angels. Um, and that way it would be what you were suggesting, a, a general portal opening where heaven is right next to us and uh, you know the gateways opened for the angels to come out and help the people and then go back home. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Well, it, it, okay. And this brings up maybe an unrelated thing. Maybe it, I, I don't know. Um, or maybe it just has nothing to do with, well, like I said, unrelated perhaps, but anyone with a dog, for example, there's always been, I'm sure you've had the occasion where the dog will be appearing to look at something that's there, you know, in your midst, but you can't see it. Um, right. Or a cat, for instance. I mean, cats or, look or, at stuff all the time sure. and spook you out. Yeah, well, given the fact that I'm not a cat person, but you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, so I guess my my question is: uh, is that could that be related, or is that just more of you know perhaps something just you know? Oh, shut up, Doug. That's well, that's nothing. You know, I can only speculate, uh, Doug. I I've wondered that myself whether it was a ghost or you know angels. I mean, if the Lord put His angels with each of the believers to keep them from stumbling and you know take care of them. Then, when a cat looks off to the side or behind you, or a chair across the room from you, as though somebody sat there, uh, or a dog, then they may be saying that uh, because they can see different wavelengths. Or, uh, you know, uh, cats, for instance, they're, they're so fast, like their nervous system is so uh, quick to respond that you know you can drop them, throw them up in the air, and they can flip around a couple times, always land on their feet, and take off at a dead run. Um, they're very fast. Um, Hummingbirds are even faster, but I haven't been able to get a hummingbird to uh, you know come in the room and look and see if there was somebody next to me. Uh, they don't stay here that long, you know. But <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I digress. But anyway, um, I know that uh, when I've been really sick at times um, and in bed, one of our dogs, uh, Bella, will come over and sit by the bed and uh, sometimes uh, get up on the side and give me a nuzzle in the ear. Uh, she may just determine that from how I am feeling and not in the right part of the house or something. I don't know. But I, I think they have extended senses over what we have. And sure. so in addition to seeing things, they can sense them some other way. Yeah, and they're, um, they're, I just read an article where they had dogs trained to sniff out cancer cells or cancer uh, in some people. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and of course... Yeah, and and I know Lady of the Studio Dog. I mean, she um, she'll do the same thing if if there's if there's pain or or if there's a, the the senses apparently of, of dogs. At least, I mean, I I, could, I only have a dog, so um, it seemed to be heightened better than the, the average individual. So um, they can sense when you're not feeling well, or but yeah, interesting how that works out. But yes, the butterfly people. Oh, wouldn't that be that's somewhat reassuring in things. Uh, Did you see that movie uh, Knowing, where the the angels took the children up in that big spherical thing to save them when the Earth was being destroyed? No, I didn't see that. Holly, who was the star of that Knowing movie? Cage. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is that? Okay. Well, in the movie, uh, you know, it's not a Christian-based movie, but it was showing that the Earth was 
uh, going to be destroyed by a huge solar flare. And so these angelic-type beings, they were white with great wings, uh, came to take uh, children, uh, certain children they selected, and animals, samples of everything on Earth, to other places in another star system that wasn't going to be destroyed by this flare or nova, whatever was going to happen. <clears throat> but their, their angels in that were... Um, the wings were big and soft, you know, uh, they uh, they were more like light, and uh, they moved slowly like a butterfly wing. So that's kind of what came to my mind when I read that article first off. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's, wow. okay. Go ahead. Okay. On earthquakes uh, and <laughs> volcanoes and strange things going on, if you look at images 14 and 15, 14 is an image that I, I compiled uh, just before airtime today. Uh, where I had USGS plot all the Richter 7 uh, and uh, above, you know, 7, 8, 9 earthquakes that had occurred from 1900 to 1917 and compared that to all of those kind of earthquakes, 7 up to 8, 9, that occurred between 2000 and 2017 till today. If you click on the picture, you'll see I put two pictures together, the top one being from 19, um, you, you know, uh, 100 to 1917, and the bottom one being from 2000 to 2017. And it Whoa. doesn't take a mathematical genius to look at that and say, oops, there's on the top one there at the beginning of last century that that kind of earthquake uh, drama was not very prevalent at all. There were 72 in that 17-year period from 1900 to 1917, all around mainly the Ring of Fire and some over into India and the Himalayas and up into China. Then if you look at the bottom one, that's 375% more earthquakes, you know, 2.75 times more on top of the ones. So in other words, 271 earthquakes, Richter 7 or above, that have occurred in the last 17 years. And looking at that, it tells you there's significantly more operations of, of major earthquakes in Indonesia through New Guinea and around to New Zealand and, you know, Fiji and down into the bottom of New Zealand. You'll see that. And you'll also see that South America up into Central America is very active more in South America on the West Coast. But the West Coast of the United States has got four or five times more than it had back in 1900, 1917, the same time period. So what we're seeing here is quite interesting. Uh, I did that because of the article that you get to on the image 15, if you click that picture there. Yep. It takes us okay. over to something very strange happening worldwide. The Earth is literally shaking. And, of course, now this article goes on to, uh, to show their version. They they had a, a different, um, oh, um, how would they, I think they had a different parameter they set for the size of the earthquakes. They have virtually the same map I've got from 1900 to 1917, but then they probably picked a Richter 6 earthquake instead of 7 and above. And so they got a lot more earthquakes around that thing. It makes it look worse, but comparing apples to apples, it's 375% of what was happening back then. Um, and only 271 earthquakes in, in my calculation uh, count as, as major, whereas they had nearly 2,700. Anyway, go on down, and you'll see pictures of uh, the weekly uh, volcano reports, how many volcanoes are active, and... Uh, uh, they quote several sources and give you links to uh, National Geographic. Uh, and uh, We know from uh, for a fact that there have been volcanoes uh, being active all over the planet and, and more so than before. I don't have the exact figure uh, percent-wise, but this article goes into a lot of that. 
and uh, names of the main volcanoes to watch. It shows you a plot of them. The weather's changing. Again, these are things that Holly covered in the Prophetic Perils book, right. um, where she covered you know, the uh, quote-unquote natural disasters and, and geophysical events that are really fulfilling prophecy. Um, and uh, the uh, snowfall, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think she said something today. She read an article somewhere where it was going to be minus 80. Was it minus 80 already somewhere, darling? It was uh, minus 80 in Russia. In Russia, it reached minus 80, which is kind of cold. Uh, wow. <laughs> talk about the Cold War. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the thing is that we're seeing crazy weather, uh, extreme heat, extreme cold. This is what I've been telling you is going to happen as we approach these these changes in the sun itself. Um, and we're seeing cold here. We're seeing erratic seasons. You know, we're, you get uh, mid-spring uh, snowfalls or freezes that kill your orchards and, and crops if they've started to flower already or blossom, you know. But this sure. article is just a short, you know, look at the things that Holly was talking about. Um, uh, with current headlines coming into there, we didn't have that plot of the earthquakes in her book, but still. Anyway, um, it, it's worth reading that article and clicking on the links uh, to you know, events and reports, and uh, you know about truck drivers freezing in Europe. But it's it's like a global ice age forming rather than global warming. You know, uh, if anything, it's getting colder right now, but it's colder in certain places and warmer in others. Um, to that to, to that argument, also that 11 mile long. Um, crack in the Larsen Sea Ice Shelf in the Antarctic uh, has really started to increase its spread and you know, split apart so that uh, peace nearly as big as Scotland is going to break off of the South Pole a lot quicker than we thought. Uh, it, uh, it will help raise the sea level a bit, not a lot, but it's 2,000 square miles of ice going off into the, the sea. And that's then going to release the break on the other ice uh, glaciers behind it, which will then follow suit, because that particular portion of the South Pole underneath is getting warmer. Some are saying that it's volcanic activity there uh, underneath the ice shelf and, under, and on land, but down underwater, um, that is causing that uh, South Pole to heat up. It's really strange. Uh, we're seeing, a, you know, like a a psychotic weather on the planet. It, uh, it's um, one day it's cold, one day it's hot. One place, you know, overheating or flooding and drying. It's just it's chaotic, and, and I think it's going to get worse, from what I can say. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. okay, I, yeah, and I understand weather happens, but the um, the dynamic range of fluctuations there, um, even today where we're at. Uh, it was snowing and windy. I mean, it was windy and snowing. Uh, well, I'll tell you this: four thirty this morning, it was snowing, and you got my home. I could barely see across the street. I got my my truck, and anyway, um, uh, three. Let's see. It was no. It was about six hours later. It was raining. It, it was twenty eight degrees at four thirty and snowing, and then. Um, Around 11.30, it was raining, and it was probably maybe 18 degrees, 20 degrees higher than well, just, the, you know, so anyway. It, it, underlying what I said about it being uh, disparate between 
you know, despair between the various areas of the planet. 2016 was uh, officially the second hottest year on record in the United States, with $15 billion worth of weather disasters. Now, um, you know, uh, when it's cold and snowing like this um, and uh, freezing in various areas, you don't think about the other areas that are overheating. But we've had that here in the States, and now then that heat's going to move somewhere else. Uh, I suspect we're going to be short of water before the next two or three years has passed uh, worldwide. And, of course, with that will come famine and uh, local battles and, and wars between people for resources just to survive if we don't go into a nuclear war with the deal over in Syria and Israel at the moment. But, yeah. Now, one other thing that I want to try to get before we sign off here. Image 11. Now, I mentioned this before about interpreting the, the word come out of her, or that phrase. This is from Revelation 18.4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, this is from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. If you click on that image, You'll see the whole English and uh, dictionary and uh, Greek of that uh, phrase that uh, verse. Oh, you're back. So, hey, hey, Stan, guess what? What? You, you, you were you were dark, okay? You were not coming when, through. When, where did I go dark? What time? Oh, what was I saying? About a minute ago, Stan. Uh, okay, well, I'm talking, I'm talking on image number 11 very quickly. Okay, all right. Um, and the translation of it, which is encouraging regarding the rapture. Revelation 18.4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. That's talking about Babylon. And um, if Babylon is America, or America is part of the Babylonian thing, which might include England or whatever, I don't know. But people worrying about that, saying, If we're living here in America, and America's Babylon, and we can't get out, we're in a hospital, or we're too old, or whatever, and can't afford to, I would encourage you with this. That... When you click on that picture, you'll see the full translation I've got there. Come out of her in the Greek. That is saying, a voice from heaven is talking to the people on earth that are God's people saying, come out of her, come. It doesn't say go out of her or get out of her. It says come out. And one of the translations of that come out in Greek is take rise from, rise up from, come out of her, my people, so that you can't be partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues. So I think this is another pointer to the rapture. Interesting. So, so it's a more, it, it wouldn't require an, uh, an active, it's more passive in translation, we'll say. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like okay. a command, come up here, you know? Got it. Okay. And uh, that's elsewhere in, in the Revelation uh, of John. But, you know, that's interesting. You know, you know, you you have to kind of look at these things very carefully uh, because it's not saying get out, go out, or go to this place or escape. It's saying come up, arise up out of her. Gotcha. And that's up is toward heaven. Encouraging, indeed. Well, Stan, my my brother, you, you, you did it again. Uh, another hour. Uh, that, that was quick. That was a quick hour. Thank you so much for your time and graciously so and thank you for uh, your book giveaway which is at standeo.com um, check the top part there and make sure you follow the instructions so Stan doesn't miss your email thank you yep. my friend All right. take care my boy alright sir give my best to uh, Holly and uh, we'll talk again soon God bless alrighty see you next week Lord willing bye right. bye bye 
Oh my goodness, folks. Uh, how great is that? Standale from standale.com, uh, weekly guest. And you know, those people listen to him on Art Bell back in the day. Oh man, I never thought, never thought that we'd have the opportunity to speak like this. Uh, uh, it's, it's so great. And, and glad you're all part, as listeners, you're all part of it. Uh, thank you for being part of our extended family of listeners. And don't forget, Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, Thursday, we will be back up with video. Uh, Joe will be back Thursday. And um, tomorrow we have Steve Quayle coming on with a couple of different people, including but not limited to Alex Wilson. He's got some, there's some interesting things going on there. There's some interesting stuff taking place. So tune into that. And uh, I oh, I want to mention, too, when I had asked people about the uh, dark web navigation and such, I've, got, I've gotten quite a few responses. If, if I haven't answered you yet, I will. Thank you for that. This is for a research project. Just to be clear, it's for a research project that I, I need information on, and I need to know how something has taken place or how someone would do something in, in order to find out how something took place. Just to be clear on that. Because, you know, people with active imaginations out there, you know how it goes, right? Um, that does it. Oh, and I want to thank, uh, John, thank you so much for all you've done. JD, thank you as well. Eric and Joe and Jackie, God bless all of you. Thank you so much for all of you done. And for last night, uh, Bill McIntosh from Ocaso Media, thank you again. Folks, until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, and saddle for battle. 